seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 9-1 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect us at and away from our computers and tables. As always, I am your host, Jaquan Watson, to kind of take you on this journey, and I've got my main man, Brian Allen, here for all 91 episodes so far. How's it going, dude? It's crazy. I actually have my, I don't have it on now, but I've been using my mask inside the house because the allergies have gotten wild. It's just... Well, hey, I don't at least know what's happened to the air around here? Well, dude, I know I've seen people bump trees down cedar trees, and you see pollen just go everywhere down that place. Up here, people are going to end up having to wear a mask soon because we're getting into fire season, and that sucks. Well, yeah, because man, it just clogs the air. It comes into your house like it. It's a mess when it happens. So hopefully, it won't be that bad this year. But the last couple of weeks have been pretty dry, even for this area. So. It's it's not going to be looking good. I hear California's already got issues right now. Yeah. But other than that, you know, I'm doing good. Also, I have a fun one for this week. We're talking about athlete numbers for episodes. Okay. I have a good one. You're going to enjoy this one. Dennis Rodman. Oh, yeah. I can't top that. I, <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't look anything up because I cannot top it. There may have been players who put up better stats, but it's hard to argue anybody had more fun. Oh, yeah. Just, just be from presentation. Like, the dude married himself. Right. Publicly. Like, I mean, like, come on. you it, That's hard to top. Yep. That that dude, and what, what I'll say about this, like, in all seriousness, for anybody who doesn't know about Dennis Rodman, like, obviously you may have seen his antics or the stuff about him getting involved in politics and all these other things, but – Go back and look up his stats as an athlete. He is far oh, yeah. and away the best rebounder in the history of basketball. Not even close. Which doesn't even make sense when you see the guy and how he's built or whatever, but he had a skill to just locate the basketball coming off yeah. the rim. It just It's uncanny when you go watch footage of it. Like There are piles of people that will be jumping for – he's just there. Like, and, and when you look at charts where they do like all these different graph maps and stuff, like – his or like you'll see everybody else's in a cluster and his dot always marking him is way out there from everybody else. It's crazy. It's unreal and, how good he was. And, and, and off the court, my man had sex with Carmen Electra in his boss's office. That's true. That was a story. <laughs> That's a goat move right there. That was a story. I don't know how true it is, but. This Dennis Robin, do you doubt it, friend? And for that, it might have happened. It might have. I, I, I think they both have confirmed, and knowing what I know about them both, I don't. I have no reason to doubt them. Yep, they were both wild too, so I, right. I, I can see that. I, mean, I, I think see both that. of them have, have admitted that happened. So it's crazy stuff, man. Well, before we get started, I want to remind everybody: if you would like to support the show, please hop over to Patreon.com/slash Color of Magic, and you can just for a couple of bucks help us keep the lights on, get a nice little card in the mail from us handwritten and signed and you know we appreciate every one of y'all that have come on board so far like i am really every day i'm very surprised and impressed at the number of people that still support us follow our show uh seeing the numbers actually slightly going up over the last couple weeks so that's been nice just for the number of downloads so i want to use this time to just say thank you to everybody 
just it's also great to be able to talk about numbers going up and have that be a positive story <laughs> yeah for sure for sure like no jokes about that uh, also we do have a show sponsor if you're new around here or maybe if you're a regular you've heard us talk about them on just about every episode cardsphere.com go check them out like they are a great and site I've- Got a piece for them that should be probably by the time uh, you hear this podcast will probably be up on Cardspear. So. Yeah, Brian is writing articles over there in addition to being a place that you can sign up and sell your stuff or buy stuff at whatever price you want to buy it for. And the process is cool. It's different. It's unique and kind of convenient once you kind of get into the whole process of everything. So definitely worth checking them out over at Cardspear.com. And, you know, check out Brian's article this week. Give our man some love. And then if you want to get something for yourself, you can check out colorofmtg.com slash shop. That's where we keep our play mats and tokens and little trinkets if you want to get something for yourself. Even get us to sign some things. You know, it's it's a fun little place. Let you get something and, you know, help support the show. So if you just don't want to just give us money, uh, you can get something for yourself. And we do have discounts if you buy multiple things. And we do ship around the world. So with that bit of business out of the way, I just want to say... We're going to try to go through these topics fairly quickly because this was a crazy week this week. There were tons of things to talk about. And I like each of us had to just bail on some topics because we'd have had this could have easily been a three and a half hour show. Right. Like, I don't know what happened. It was a holiday week here in the U.S. I, I no reason why, but there were just news from every direction. It felt Usually like. holidays are a week when nothing happens. And as, a, as any kind of journalist, you're sitting around trying to figure out what scrambling to figure out what you're going to talk about. But Man, there week. was too much this week. Just too much. But you know what that means? With that comes some soapbox rants. And man. First off, this okay, this is a soft rant. This kind of follows up on last week where we were talking about presentation, right? Me and me and my woman, we hadn't been out to a, a nice high-end restaurant, really not mostly any restaurant <laughs> in the last year and a half. But we hadn't been to this particular one in almost two years, over two years, actually. And we were like, you know what? Let's just make the first nice place we go when things kind of at least get back to some level of normalcy like this place. And this place is called Pimienta, by the way. Fantastic restaurant little local spot they seat maybe 30 to 40 people tops great high-end food seasonally sourced like great but as we're getting ready that thing clicked again where i'm like you know what i think i need to put a nicer shirt on i think i need to be even more presentable because this is an expensive place and i need them to feel like i have the money and i can afford this so i get reasonable service and she didn't really feel that neat. Like, don't get me wrong. She wasn't like dressed down or anything, but she didn't feel the re- reason to go over the top. She was like, ah, I'll be good with this. And I'm like, yeah, you probably are. But for myself, I'm like, ah, is jeans going to be all right? Should I, should I, change, should I wear my, like my nicer dress shoes? Or is, are the Nikes going to be cool? Like, you know, like, I was like double checking everything. And I was just like, gosh, damn it. I know they don't care. I've been to this place before, but like, and my that little spot in the back of my head was like, yeah, but <laughs> I was like, man, I hate that. But again, it just I just bring that up as an example, just like how often it's so ingrained that like you feel the need to have to over present and over just like there's a certain level you have to keep because you feel like there's already so many strikes against everything in society. You can't take your guard down on that aspect. 
like which sucks but you know there it is now my real fun rant here though president or i guess you say former president trump please say former president trump i just like to hear it in the news because apparently he and his legal team are trying to sue facebook twitter and i think instagram for in their words they need to stop with the shadow bans this idiot and his team, they don't even know, they don't even get terminology right ever. Right? How can you have a legal team that's going to fit for shadow ban? Like, first off, for shadow banning, you know what that is? That's what I do to people on the YouTube comments. <laughs> I delete them, I send them away and block them, and they don't even know it, and their stuff just never shows up again, and we never have to communicate. That's a shadow ban. These companies did not shadow ban the president, they Ooh. made giant public statements. They, they put out their pictures and all. Some of them had links to things. Like, this was about as public as you... If anything, these are Sunray bands. They took his Twitter account out behind the woodshed like old Yeller and shot it. Oh, they laid it out in the street for public amusement. Like, what are you right? talking about? Like, there was no shadows involved. No. That was just a straight-up daylight ban. Like, I, like... And it's insane that we're even wasting time and money in the legal system on this. Like, what? It, there's nothing to even. He's, he's. By the way, the case he's trying to make is that his First Amendment rights were impeded on, which we all know how that goes. Whatever TOS and blah blah blah, like private companies, yada yada. Right. So nothing's gonna come of it. This is all just theater for his supporters. Nothing else is coming at it. We're literally wasting everybody's time and money. And and what's the, you know, as soon as anybody says you have the right to say something, but you don't have the right to yell fire in a crowded theater or start an insurrection. This is a textbook case of the rights you don't have as part of the First Amendment. Yeah, so I I just hope it's over quickly and we get some resolution so we can just put it to bed and let them come up with the next thing. Though, by the way, side report, apparently all the people around him are being subpoenaed for court cases with those uh, voting machines and stuff. Because they were out there trying to say all these things that weren't true about the machines. So they're like, great, we're going to have a billion dollar lawsuit because you're costing us a pile of money. And we're going to subpoena every single one of y'all and bring you in. So Giuliani, the the my pillow dude, like uh, they're getting there's like four <laughs> or five people on it. They're, it's they're getting, crazy to say these names out loud in terms of like legal <laughs> legal yep. stuff and politics. It didn't Rudy Gili didn't used to be a clown, but yeah, now he's in the oh, same breath. They're getting the every guy. one of them, and good for them. I hope they get every bit of money they can out of those idiots. I really do. And yeah, Lindell, while being an idiot, has a whole lot of money. Apparently, yep. get every bit of it. Like I ain't even gonna be mad at him. Like go ahead, like get your dollars, man. And some comfy pillows to stuff the money into. <laughs> yep. I might even require some pillows as part of the payment. Just to add insult to <laughs> I would. Injury. I absolutely would. For me to rest my head on them as I stuff them with your $100 bills. Like, for real. All right. I'm done. You've got a good one, too, this week. So I'm going to pass it over to you, dude. All right. Um, we, we, we've been talking about, you know, Texas's efforts to combat air quotes critical race theory 
an author has written a book called Forget the Alamo, basically just talking about, you know, hey, in case you hadn't heard, a lot of what you probably learned in school about the Alamo, as with much of American history, stuff you learned probably ain't accurate. There was an event at a museum in Texas, or there was going to be an event. Uh, our lieutenant governor and governor apparently did phone calls and pressure and had the book, uh, this is a book tour at a museum had it shut down hours before it was supposed to take place. Well, with the, I'm sure all the veiled political threats of, hey, you know, if you'd like to kick it, you know, obviously museums exist through public funding, pretty much. You, yeah. You can't get any money for, from the government or, you know, the government is threatening to lean on people who might donate money to you. They had to fold. And since it worked here, they're probably going to see if they can do this in any museums and I guess eventually any place where people might try to gather and read and learn things. We're a step away from burning books in Texas. Man, you know what? F the governor down there. <laughs> I know. First, <laughs> first off. Secondly, I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that crap in Texas anymore. Like... But like, here's the thing. Like, there's been multiple stories over the last couple months as people have been researching things and putting together, you know, books and documents or whatever. That most of what we know about the Alamo is not accurate. Everything, the entire story about who was supposed to have ownership, you know, how how long, where the boundaries were drawn, the whole thing about like Davy Crockett and his folks showing up from like Tennessee or Kentucky or wherever the hell they came from to come help and they help save the Alamo. Like, apparently, all that is crap. Apparently. And Which that's not, sense. these aren't isolated theories. There are multiple historians that agree that much of what we learned about the Alamo is crap. Well, yeah, but even think about it. Back in the, how long would it take you to get that far to get all the way down to San Antonio? Like, on horseback. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even make sense that he would get there in time and help. You know what I mean? Like, it, the whole thing is, is a weird fabrication. It really is. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, that, that's terrible. Like, it really is. And if you can just shut museum events down, because, okay, in theory, you know, Abbott and Patrick have say over what happens in Texas schools by their roles as governor and lieutenant governor. But when you're overstepping your bounds and shutting down book tours, where, and again, I thought conservatives were for letting people, you know, small government is what conservatives always tell us they're for. This is the complete antithesis of small government. This no, is it's, it's small government when I disagree with it. Right. That, that's that's when they want small government. Like There's that, nothing small government about this. Yeah, I don't know, man. That whole thing just rubs me the wrong way. And you know, people really ask me because I'm talking about Texas all the time. Like, why do you even like, – let me say that people like Patrick and, and uh, Abbott are the extreme. Most of my friends, even my friends that I might disagree with politically – are not this far around the bend. <laughs> true, true. These are isolated issues. The crazy part is he's worried about a damn museum tour when y'all are still having electric grid problems. Right. Like when, I saw a notice know, that when, they were trying to get y'all to turn off ACs. Like, like in the I in just the saw just saw on my Facebook before we started that uh, somebody just just lost their AC. So yeah. We got other insane, issues, man. as yep. every state, I think, has more issues than people reading books about the Alamo. Yeah, that's just, man, come on. Well, all right, Let, let's move on to some other stuff that's at least a little more entertaining. 
because you know the drill. We like to learn stuff around here. So what did we find out last week, Brian? What did you learn? Uh, there's a brand new game. You might have seen some people streaming it, heard about it. It's called Storybrook Brawl. It's a it's an auto battle type of card game. If you've seen, you played or seen anybody play Hearthstone Battlegrounds, it is in that vein. It's actually from Good Luck Games, which consists of uh, several people whose names you probably know from Magic. Uh, Matt Place is over at Good Luck Games. And, and in between uh, winning Magic Pro Tour and being a Good Luck Games, he also did some work on Hearthstone. So that's a, you know, a huge name you probably have heard of before. But as I said, it's very much in the auto battle genre. And it's, uh, it's, it's storybook brawl. It involves, well, fairy tale creatures. There's a little Bo Peep, you know. Uh, one of my favorite characters is basically like a vampire Snow White that gains power by eating dwarves. That's the kind of... That's actually hilarious. <laughs> it really is. It's my favorite is... Even if she wasn't a strong character, that's one of the best decks you can build is, is dwarves. I would play that anyway. Any game in which Vampire Snow White is murdering dwarves is just a game I want to play. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> I will say, I, I watched some people play it like the week it was going live, and then I've watched a handful of games since then. And it looked neat. I'm not sure... Because again, like you said, it's kind of similar to Hearthstone Battlegrounds and and that flavor of stuff. So like, I think I still need to f- check it out because I like people seem very excited about it. And I guess since I haven't played it, I'm like, okay, well, let me. I think I have to get entrenched in it a little bit to see if maybe yeah. I'm I'm missing some of the appeal. There's a lot of strategic choices, and even you know after playing it for hours and thinking I understood it, there are still like every time I play, like, oh, okay. If I do this thing this way, then I got a chance for this thing to happen. Gotcha. So there's a couple of layers of stuff is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And like, you'll think you're winning and then, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, I got this character. It's steamroll. It's definitely kind of a, a thing where, you know, you, you, you try to put a bunch of buffs on one character like Voltron. Voltron is a big thing in this game where you just, okay, this one character like Vampire Snow White is going to get out of control and just steamroll everyone and you think you're winning then you run into somebody else who oh they've got a a little bow peep that's up to near infinity okay so you're trying to like basically build a strong carry character and then kind of play stuff around them is that the well, I mean, going that, strategy that's kind of right the dwarf now thing works there's yeah, also gotcha. there's gotcha. all plus you know your hero matters too like there's a there's a mrs claus they, they went for actually mrs claus not santa claus which is also a cool thing and basically, Mrs. Claus is a character. Like, if, if they even have good and evil characters in this game, so some people will get a bonus for playing a bunch of evil characters. Miss Claus obviously gets a bonus for playing a bunch of good characters. Then there are cards that where you basically you can turn good characters evil. There's so many layers to this thing. Well, like I said, it's it's getting a lot of hype right now. You know, uh, for me, it's like I think there's so many quality games that I'm now to the point of when I play games, it's like, okay, does it elicit emotion in me? And I think that's kind of my, my, uh, my barometer. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to give it a go and see if it, it gets me excited or, or upset or whatever, or whatever. Right. Does it, does it get me going? Cause I think, that's I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people choose their game for like, what kind of feeling does it evoke? What kind of thing yeah. 
do I want to do? Like I was trying to explain this to somebody else, you know, that, that I do uh, do murder mystery shows with. So like, what's the appeal of, you know, playing a video game? I don't get it. And I said, well, what's the appeal of being an actor? You know, today you want to be a pirate. And yeah, okay, I love being a pirate. Okay, would you imagine you had, you're not pretending to be a pirate. You're a pirate on your own ship and you're, you know, blowing it. I, yeah. I think most actors, if they try video games, would love them because, you know, we love <laughs> being pirates. Yeah, I, I think part of the doing that discussion there, though, when we did the one or two that I did was like, we also had to talk about how does the person feel and what's their motivation for coming to one of those? Right. Like, do we make them feel entertained, smart, you know, for solving or figuring something out or silly because they missed an obvious clue or something that we shoved right in front of them, right? Like, yeah, it's, you kind of have to do those things as well, just for their entertainment, right? Like, you want those emotions out of them. So when they leave, they're going like, oh, man, I can't believe I couldn't figure out who it was. Like I sat yeah. right next to that person and talked to him or whatever, you know, or ah, there was no way I was ever going to solve that. Like that was so tricky or, you know, whatever it is. So kind of the same thing in the games, right? Like you don't want them. You don't want the things to be too simple, but you also don't want them to be too complicated. But at the end, you want that journey to mean something to you. Yeah, and it's funny how some games, you know, like for example, Dark Souls, those kind of games, they, they they take pride in just kicking your butt over and over until where you figured it out. You feel, you know, you feel incredible because it took you three hours to memorize this boss's attack pattern and be able to to get past it. Or some games, like let's say, you know, a game what like a farming simulation, it's a totally different vibe. You're just yeah. chill. You're growing corn. And my wife, for example, farming sims are perhaps her favorite type of game. Those are the ones where I'm like, but you could actually, you grew up on basically a farm. You could go outside and actually <laughs> plant corn. If you, you could actually to. farm. <laughs> yeah. But that's the experience that she loves. For example, I, I play things like, as I said, try to be a pirate or I play NBA 2K because in reality, I have zero athletic ability. I, the only way I will ever dunk on someone is in a is in a video game, Fair. and I enjoy that feeling. Yeah, I get it though. You know, I I've recently anybody who follows me, I've been doing some late night streams for the last almost three weeks now, where on Team Fight Tactics I can't get out of Gold Four. I keep getting demoted demoted down to Silver One, get back into Gold Four, get a few points, get demoted, and start the process over. Right, and it's like that struggle is actually entertaining to me right now because I'm now I've played a game where I can see my legit skill cap, right? Like I know my skills are only getting me this far. So now it's like fighting through the barrier and trying to learn the next thing to help me get even just to gold three would be an achievement right now. Yeah. And for your, for your stream, that's going to be fun for them to watch yeah. when you break through that barrier. Oh, I literally have people coming back and going like, well, are we back in gold four today or not? Like, you know, like that's that's the thing. And literally, if I get back in this time, it's going to be the sixth time this season that that's happened. But I'm not mad at it. Right. Like, it's cool because I do feel that frustration, not to the point that I'm just like angry and throwing stuff. But like the struggle is there. But like even I've even been up at like two in the morning going like, man, maybe if I just get one more game in, you know, right. like, it was like, nah, we'll just we'll we'll. You know, like the pinky in the brain, like, well, we'll just get them tomorrow, brain. You know, yeah. pinky, like, this is going to be it. Right? It's sort of how I feel like. But I get it, right? Anything you do, any type of gaming, that's one of the biggest things. And I think that's honestly, in a whole separate discussion we can do on a different show, though, I think that's one of the hard things about board games. 
is people are trying to find ways to give that sense of accomplishment, that sense of frustration, you know, that elation, you know, whatever in a board game, because it's not as directly interactive and it happens over a different time span that's shorter. So it's like, how do you get all that encompassed? And the games that can tend to do much better. And when you mentioned, you know, it hit me when you said Pinky in the Brain, how is there not some kind of Looney Tunes based card battle? I want that game to exist more than I want you to pay me for the idea. I'm just throwing it out there. Oh, if I somebody can, tell you can why. make that happen, please make that happen. Like it would have to be a super big studio to do it because the the license would cost entirely too much. But I, I'd pay I, as much money as oh. I spent on Hearthstone. I'd pay twice as much if Bugs Bunny was in Hearthstone. Oh, a lot of people might. If you can let me do like a three person team up of some Animaniacs against. Right? Like, I don't know, Daffy and Bugs Bunny and Porky Pig or something like yeah. I could be into that. I could see that being a thing. Anybody out there in our audience, if you can, can make that happen. Me and you, let's I, kick started. I, if, if you want us to, to come in and consult, we totally will do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Somebody gets that Kickstarter up. I'll give you a hundred dollars tomorrow. You and me both, sir. <laughs> Now, one of the things I want to talk about is last week I saw some people that apparently still don't understand that the pandemic isn't fully over. And I don't mean that in the sense of like, ha, idiots don't get it that like we're still under a pandemic. It's that I don't think people have still fully grasped how many things the pandemic has affected. Like we talked about it before that we're just now to the point that the high-end video cards that came out a year ago or like nine months ago or whatever are just now getting down to normal retail prices and they're still 20 percent over right everybody like you can go to almost any major store we were walking through one of the malls earlier honestly and there's some high-end stores that still have like bed bath and beyond still has a bunch of empty spaces on their shelves you know at hell ikea we're trying to fix some stuff at our house and we need certain shelving ikea has just been out for four months there's still shipping issues. Like even as people are getting back to having full warehouses and stuff, we still have the backup of shipping stuff. Cause we had that whole thing in the Suez canal or whatever. So there's still a bunch of stuff in transit. And then you have the other issue of what people don't know is we still don't have enough delivery drivers around the country right now. Right. And I assume around the world. So even that's another barrier, right? So wizard and this came up because wizards posted an announcement I want to say it's late last week or middle of last week saying for Adventures in Forgotten Realms, some of your stores may be slightly short on product. There'll be another wave right behind it. You know, we apologize for the inconvenience, blah, blah, blah. And people were just up in arms about it. I'm like, I don't know how they didn't see this coming or what they couldn't have done to solve it and whatever. And they're like, they have these different printers. It shouldn't be a problem. It's like, one, I still don't know. None of us know, except for Wizards what their capacity even looks like for workers right now in their facilities. Then you have warehouse workers that have to deal with it as it comes off the line, pack it, get it on trucks, whatever. Then do you have enough delivery drivers to get stuff where it needs to go, which is namely all the distribution houses. Then do each of the distributors still have enough people or whatever in their warehouses and people to pack things or whatever. Right. And then you have your own retailers that they also have to be able to take the product and whatever and get it out for sale. So there's there's a bunch of steps in the chain yeah. to be dealt with, and everybody's having issues. 
And Which, we saw way, some of the same things happen, you know, at E3. It was just a big deal. Oh, my God, Sony didn't come to E3. They're doing their own show. And their own show is coming up. And they've announced it. Is God of War ready? No, not even close. Is the New Horizon ready? No, not even close. Hey, you got any more PlayStations for us? No, not even close. They didn't go to E3 because basically they really don't have anything to tell us. And it's because, you know, yeah. they still can't get the things they need to make the things they make. <laughs> I, w- I want to also point out, like, side note, another thing that's happening right now is people are complaining, and this isn't related to the, but it's the price of Modern Horizons 2 boxes have come way down. And uh, particularly of the bundles. And people are upset because they bought some at a higher price and they're lower now. And honestly, that was going to happen. The minute we knew that Forgotten Realms, and let me just explain business for people right here for a second, because people don't understand and they don't have a reason to know until somebody explains it. So I'm going to try to be the person to explain it. But for most retailers, they're either working on their own personal credit cards because they don't have credit with their distributors, which means they have roughly 25 to 40 days to pay off that thing before they get interest on it. And their interest rate, obviously, like everybody with a credit card, could be anything from, who knows, 6% up to 29%, right? Anything in between. The stores that do have credit with their distributors have anywhere between 15, usually on the low end. There's a few that would do 10 days, but usually it's 15, up to as much as 60 days if you are a very good, high balance, high standing account. Generally, most stores are going to have about 30 days. Well, when you know Adventure in Forgotten Realms is coming, you basically have to clear your books with your distributor or you're not going to be able to get that big shipment of stuff you want for AFR to be able to sell to your customers. So the stores that aren't as well financed or as liquid, they've made the money they're going to make off the first half to two thirds of their initial order of Modern Horizons 2. So now they're trying to get out, in some cases, at cost or below for them so they can get enough money pay stuff off, clear the books, and then be ready to go for the order so their distributor sends them the stuff for Adventure in Forgotten Realms, or they're not going to be able to make those sales over the next month. So it's not a surprise that prices are coming down. And it's not Amazon that's pushing the prices down because Amazon's algorithm doesn't want to be the lowest price. They just want to not be high enough that they have stuff sitting around the inventory. So oftentimes, if you look, the Amazon price is usually going to be second or third best price on a lot of items there. And I don't know, it's like the algorithms looking for something like lowest price plus a certain percentage. Yeah, it's just the way it is. But it's usually going to be a brick and mortar retailer of some kind or some private company. That's the lowest price. And it's usually people just trying to turn inventory. I've seen it before because I've looked at some of the names that end up being the lowest price on some items and they actually have physical retail stores because I know some of the stores and some of them sell on multiple channels. Some sell their retail stores, some sell on, in addition to that, sell on Amazon and sell on eBay and sell on TCG player. So it's not a surprise when you see that. So it's not a wizard's thing. It's not an Amazon thing. It's just a business channel thing. And you know, they were like, well, you should have some remorse for people who paid a bunch or whatever. I was like, that's just early adopter thing. Like that happens with electronics, clothing, whatever, right? You you can go in tomorrow, buy the nice suit that's new that somebody put out, whatever. And then if you come back end of season, it's going to be 30% off. That's just the way it goes. I don't know what to tell you. Like, is it unfortunate? Sure. I paid more for mine. 
but I also knew I was getting mine because I was going to open. I wanted some of the cards. I was going to use it for content. Made sense for me to do it. If it didn't and I could afford to wait, then I would have waited. But anytime you see sets back to back like that, unless the set that's the first in that chain is limited for some reason, which we also know Modern Horizons 2 was not going to be a limited print set. So it's not surprising that the price came down for a little while. I think it'll eventually stabilize. Same thing sort of happened with Modern Horizons 1. But just know that that's a thing. So just want to bring that up. I bought a PS5 and an Xbox Series S knowing, you know, that I was going to pay more for it, possibly risk getting shanked. But one of my you know, highest viewed videos on my channel is, hey, <laughs> I got an Xbox Series S. There you go. Right. And, but, you know, getting it first, there's a chance even as recent as 60 days later. If you you might have could have saved a hundred dollars. fire. <laughs> yeah, like you, you don't know. Like it's just one of those things. But it was funny to see so many people like being mad at Wizards for making this announcement. And my thought was, well, here's the thing: they could have not said anything. So if you were waiting to get some product, you just wait, and then you're like, ah, now I can't get it, and I got to wait two more weeks. Or they just pushed the release date back, and then people would have griped about the release date being pushed back. So, like, I'm fine with what they did. Just saying, like, look, we tried. Here are the issues with our supply chain. We're at least letting you know ahead of time. Just know that it'll be fixed within a couple weeks. Like, I eh, can't really ask for too much more right now, man. Like, the pandemic's affected a lot of stuff. And it's going to continue. Like, I don't think we're going to be clear of any type of major distribution channel issues for a lot of stuff. For probably still another, if I were guessing, somewhere between seven and nine months still. Yeah, because in gaming, th th there's no game, board game, video game, card game that is made in two weeks. Everything takes months at the minimum, yeah. years more than likely to get designed, play tested. And then, then you got to figure out how to ship it out to people. And you might and you need resources. You know, if you can't get the paper or can't get things printed or for video games, can't get the chips or can't hire the people. That's it. Yeah. I mean, I think seriously, if it ends up being like if even these Ikea shelves and stuff are waiting on, if it ends up being 10 to 12 months from now for us to get everything we want, I'm not going to be shocked. At just the way things go right now, like literally every and people don't even know, like people building houses right now are upset because two by fours have increased in price because you had mm -hmm. points where people weren't working in different factories making the wood and everything else and blah, blah, blah. And like, so people are paying, I've heard, you know, like $20 for a two by four. You know what I mean? Which the average house of a, or cost of a house to build has gone up something like an additional four to $5,000, depending on the size of the house, just because of the cost of the wood. Like that's where we are. Just the pandemic has affected everything. Pretty much every, hell. With my woman's job, like she was excited because she was actually able to get a chunk of her fall release stuff to have things for Halloween. <laughs> like she was expecting to get even less than she got. So she what she did get, she was still elated for. Right. You know, like so it's like this is where we are. This is and, and for the record, she works in a fabric store effectively. So everything has been affected. So, I mean, yeah, go ahead. 
that we talked about a little bit about during the pre-show. If we're doing any kind of theater or comedy, you almost, you know, somebody got to go out there first, <laughs> open their comedy club or their theater, see how not to cause an outbreak, and then the next club can go or the next theater can go, and we're all kind of going to that same cycle until we get five or six in a row that opened and there wasn't an outbreak or something. Yeah. Every, everybody's got problems right now. So just, we just got to chill, man. People have to understand just how much the pandemic has affected and we're not through with the effects of it yet. Even if we were to completely eradicate the pandemic to, to COVID tomorrow, we would still be dealing with the issues from it throughout the rest of this year at a minimum. Like, there's just nothing we can do about it at this point. Like, everything got rocked. But, you know, is what it is. We'll 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 try to make do with what we can. Let's just chill a little bit, y'all. But that's going to come up again later in the show, let me tell you. Yeah. But let's get on to other day-to-day kind of spot story news. This is another thing that players were upset about. But Wizards of the Coast had to announce that for Magic Arena... Pioneer Masters is being put on hold. And I guess, and I didn't even know this was going to be a thing, first off, but I guess the feel was to eventually try to work toward having Pioneer be a thing on Arena. And I guess this Pioneer Masters was going to be like the first step to introducing a bunch of cards to make that happen. Uh, Not going to happen right now. They basically said they had to be pushed back. Just too many other things they're focusing on. And all that makes sense. You know, we know there's a lot of things Arena's trying to do and trying to fix. You know, they're still trying to bring other sets to the platform. It, there's just a lot going on, so I'm not really surprised. Like, And unfortunately for Pioneer, it had to be the format that was trying to come out and take hold right as the pandemic started. So it just, it was, some of the stuff is just unpreventable. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, true. Unpreventable is a word. But <laughs> I know, I get what you're saying, I mean? though, right? Like, it is just started because they just had a couple of bannings and it started to kind of get its feet under it and then it felt like somewhere between two and three months after that point it was like oh crap this covid thing is going to be for real and then nobody really got to play pioneer for the next year and a half so i don't even know how to this point how popular pioneer even honestly the best thing for pioneer would probably be to lay low for now let it come out on arena so people get reacquainted with it and then do another big push anyway. Because I think right now, especially with Modern Horizons just releasing, you know, we had some other sets over the last year, even for like Legacy and whatnot. I think some people are kind of re-engaging with those older formats a little bit. So maybe we just let that ride for a little bit, you know? I don't really have a problem with that. But it was really amazing just to see how people were mad about it. And I was like, what are you mad about? They made an announcement ahead of time saying, hey, don't expect this because of these reasons. That's like the most we should expect out of a company. Like other than that, the only other answer is hire a gigantic pile of people, change part of your infrastructure and just spend a crap ton of money to make the thing happen. But I'm sure they thought about that. And if they found it to not be financially feasible to do so, they're not going to do it, whether we like it or not. Pioneers, you know, not ready for that yet. I don't. I don't think so either. I, and I, I, that's a good thing for you to bring that up. I think it's also like none of us really know how popular Pioneer even is or would be. Like we all think it would be reasonably popular. 
and maybe even Wizards does, but I don't think at this point we even have enough research because there haven't been that many Pioneer events, you know, yeah. so we, we don't really know. So if I'm in wizard shoes and having to make a decision, it's like, man, do you want to spend all this money to push for Pioneer to ultimately have it to maybe not even be that popular? Yeah, and as somebody, you know, that tells gaming companies how to spend their money for a living, even I'm not ready to write that check yet or instruct someone else to. Yeah, and and again, if you like Pioneer, this isn't us saying like Pioneer sucks and nobody plays it or anything like that. This is just saying from a business perspective, there's not quite enough research to make it worth spending some number of million dollars, because that's probably what it would be to get it off the ground the way they need to on arena right now. So it just is what it is. It's the hand. This we is again a thing that happened throughout the industry. There are whole movie, you know, planned cinematic universes that tried to jump off, you know, cause they didn't know the pandemic was coming. Like, like uh, Vin Diesel's uh, bloodshot franchise. They were hoping that was going to be a whole cinematic universe, but it had unfortunately had to be one of those first movies that tried to push into theaters while theaters were mostly closed and just dropped like a stone. Hell, I just reviews out. weren't good, you know, but we, we'll never know what it would have done had people been able to go to theaters. I just found out the uh, G.I. Joe movie was actually filmed like two and a half years ago or whatever and was supposed to come out like last June, I think. And it's just now coming out like at the end yeah. of July or something. Is that the, the Snake Eyes movie? Yeah, yeah. Which was apparently a huge controversy. People were like, no, Snake Eyes is white. I always, Snake, I always, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have said that he was white, definitely. He wears a mask. So we, we knew Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes was Jay Asian, though, because wasn't he supposed to be like a ninja? I mean, if I had had to guess, I probably would have guessed Asian. But again, he wore a mask. So yet I don't remember an episode where he ever took them. And plus, he didn't speak. So you really, it could have been anybody. <laughs> so oh, also, I don't see. For wrestling fans, I found out Mojo Rawley's in that movie. In uh, Snake Eyes? Yeah. Okay. I didn't even know that. I literally just found out because of an interview maybe two days ago with uh, Chris Van Vliet, who, by the way, fantastic interviewer. He interviews a bunch of like athletes and stuff from various combat sports. Really good channel if you haven't watched it. Uh, Van Vliet, V-L-E-E-T is the dude's name. But like, very, very cool stuff. I just wanted to point that out and let people know. Just cool. Now I got to say, that's hype, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so we have some really disappointing news here. Turns out there are still websites, stores, companies in the gaming spaces that where they have items from different countries, nationalities, and languages are still listing stuff as JAP when it's Japanese. When we have a code for that, JPN, that is sort of universally accepted. So it's like, if you happen to know one of these companies or one of these people, send them a message and say like, hey, could you consider going in and just changing your prefix yeah. or all this stuff? It's probably a smart move, especially with all the stop Asian hate and everything else we've had going on for the last two, three months. Like seems like a good PR move at the very least. And that's again, not just cards. That's, you know, DVDs, video games, all manner of things that are imported that some of them use that problematic code. Yeah. I just don't like, 
you would think by now people would just know better. You you would think so, and unfortunately, matter of fact, I saw a story about a furniture company. I forget what the abbreviation was for, but the abbreviation they were using was NGR. If it's for a black sofa, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> it's like again, you think people just, which I guess if you just don't think about it. You don't think about it. Sadly, you know, some people were thinking about it and just laughing to themselves every time they shipped them. You know what? Of furniture. I, w- I would say this, at least NGR, I can see how that just goes through. And, and I don't know, who knows? Maybe it's for like the three initials of some like material it's made from or whatever. Like I can I can almost understand how that passes before somebody says something. But to have something listed as Jap really like yeah. shouldn't be a thing. Right. We've known this has been a problem since. Hell, back in the World Wars, like we like, this has been an issue longer than I've been alive. That like, also lets us know you don't have any employees of color or somebody with a car. You for that. real don't have any Japanese employees that had to look at something and go like, "Yo, dog, like, can we fix right. this?" Or if yeah. you have them, they don't feel you know they don't feel valued enough to tell anybody, "Hey, you really should change this." And this had come up because people had tried to order some magic cards or whatever, and. They saw that, like, why are sites still using JAP instead of JPN? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. Like, Wizards doesn't use it, so why should somebody else? Like, honestly, if if the large companies don't use it, why are you using it? Like, that should be your first indicator, right? Like, you should probably be following the leader or the leaders, plural. So when people go looking for stuff or searching for things you're in lockstep with them to make it easier for you to sell stuff. Like, it's even weirder to be like, well, Star City, Card Kingdom, whatever, Wizards of the Coast, all these people use JPN, but we're going to be one of the people that uses JAP. Like, what? If, and if you're selling mean? anything in international markets, you're Asia, I'm assuming, is one of them. <laughs> I bet you don't get to mail nearly as much stuff as Japan like that. Right, <laughs> for real. And you're wondering, so you know, somebody sitting around. I just don't understand why we can't crack the Japanese market, Winston. I don't know. <laughs> I'm totally stumped. There's somebody, you know, no lie. There is somebody who probably can't figure it out. Yeah, it's just because again, they don't have any employees of color to tell them these things. But again, if you're ordering from one of these places, you you buy from one of these places regularly, maybe it's a local spot for you, whatever, pull the owner aside or send an email or just be like, hey, I'm not sure if you're aware, but there's a bunch of people who find this uh, abbreviation to be a bit offensive. Maybe you should update to the rest of the industry standard yeah. or business standard of just JPN to represent a Japanese product. So we had some people go nuts on Twitter this week. Not a surprise. Social media does that. But somebody, I guess, got wind that Audacity has some change of ownership somewhere along the line or leadership. And they updated their TOS and whatever their legal documents are to say that they could technically share your data with another company without your consent. Now, people obviously freaked out about this. And, you know, before I even saw the tweet thread, it was already hundreds and hundreds of responses. But my first thought was, okay, let me at least go check out this document, because this doesn't sound like it makes a lot of sense. 
Because first off, Audacity, and I've used it to edit even our podcast, doesn't even take any information from you. All they really have is just, I guess, your IP and what operating system you use or what version of their software you're using. But every company kind of needs that for bug fixes and reports. So, yeah, okay. It's not like they have my name or even what I'm using it for or anything. They don't have any of that. I don't ever have to upload anything to Audacity. Like, it, there's really no, no major issue. But as reading through it, what it really said was basically in the event of a sale or merger or similar, the new companies would have access to any of their previously recorded data. Which, yeah. That's like, pretty much how business transactions work. Exactly. I was like, so they just made it probably for legal reasons, had to have it in writing so people know, because, you know, American humans are stupid. <laughs> hey, just being real, we are. We're not yeah. the most like savvy folks in the world when it comes to this type of business stuff. We're just not. I just like, said unpreventable a few segments ago, so can't confirm. Yeah, call calling a spade a spade. Like, you know, it is what it is. But that's what every company does. Like, I honestly, for anybody who doesn't know, when a lot of time there are purchases of other companies or mergers or whatever, one of the most important things is the data. Like they're buying the company to have that. Like those buyouts, those mergers or whatever are not going to happen if the new company doesn't have access to that. So many times people, their companies buy their companies just for the information that they're sure. Like half the time, if you think it's for the tools and the software or whatever, they could almost reverse engineer that a lot of the time. If they're not, it's just because they don't want to spend the money or it's just more cost efficient to just try to buy the company or whatever. But really, it's your network, your people, your information, your percentages, your all that that they don't have access to that is important to them. And they can use that for their business or their bigger business or their new mutual business to make more money. But that's all it was. I read through it. I couldn't find anything that basically was anything vindictive, nothing that was what I would call harmful. It wasn't requesting extra information. They didn't change the information they were taking from you. It was literally just, hey, if we sold stuff, just know that we would be passing your recorded information along that we have. And that was it. And fortunately, I was going to go respond. But after reading through the tweet chain, there were a couple of people that basically said, hey, did you all even read this? <laughs> of course, I was like, man. great. Other people beat me to it. Fantastic. I'm not the people, only one. People have no idea how often they're tracked. When I was teaching stand-up comedy, defensive driving, people would tell me, you know, on the forum, like, I don't want to give you this information. And I'm sitting here going, did you just pay for your defensive driving dinner with a credit card? I already got your information. And not only just, that, they're only there on a list because they use a driver's license number that has all that information. Right. Attached. So I have their information in my computer. I'm just asking to write it on this form because my boss doesn't like computers and doesn't want to hit the button. So, yeah, we already got this info. Do we yeah, just you know, want it in written form you know what for that sounds our non-computer like? literate boss? That's all them people that are like, I'm not getting the vaccine because I don't want them to be able to track me with them nanites. Right. As they type that into their phone to post on Facebook. Facebook. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, yeah, people are silly sometimes, man. For real. Like, just makes no sense. But yeah, if you see anything about the audacity thing, it's nothing harmful or malicious or anything like that. It's just standard business. Okay, so 
people don't always know the different promotions and stuff that go on behind the scenes. And honestly, I didn't even know this one. But I guess it was Monday night or Monday afternoon. I have an email pop up that is a Google Calendar notification. Which in and of itself wasn't a thing because, you know, I told you we made reservations at a restaurant and all that. And I use an app to do it and it adds it to my calendar. So I thought it was just a delayed thing for my calendar. Didn't even look at it. But when I checked my email later, turns out it's not at all. It was a thing that said Magic the Gathering Adventures in the Forgotten Realms event. And I was like, weird. What is this? And it had a date. It was for Tuesday morning. And I was like, uh, okay. And it was UK time at four o'clock, which means it was going to be 8 a.m. Pacific time. And I was like, well, what is this for? There was a weird attachment that looked like an old school um, Dragon Warrior style RPG thing that had like Magic and D&D logos on it. Hell yeah. And I was like, okay, this is awkward. So then I'm like, let me let me check out this letter that's attached to it. So and this is literally what it says is Dear Adventurer. You've received a letter about a mysterious adventure in the Forgotten Realms, and we wanted to follow up with an official calendar invitation. Please RSVP so we know the number of daredevils joining us. Wondering what you can expect? You'll get to explore the Forgotten Realms through a fully interactive experience where your choices matter. Make the right call, and for the first time, you'll get to discover never, never seen before, not never before seen, because that's the phrase. <laughs> but for some reason, they use never seen before cards of the newest Magic the Gathering set, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. That's an unpreventable error. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make a bad decision, and you may end up eaten by a dragon. Random, but okay. Then before the event, you may give Gather, which is the program we're going to use, uh, make sure everything's working, blah, 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 you know, and they kind of go through that. And it's like, it's private. Don't share this information. You'll be able to stream it if you want. And there's some passwords and stuff. But when I got done reading this, I'm still like, I don't know what this is. Like, you you told me, okay, the title says it's magic-related. You tell me there's stuff to do with Forgotten Realms and the new magic set. Apparently, there's an adventure somewhere, somehow, and some other number of people are joining, and it's at 8 a.m. Like, that's really all I have. I'm like, I don't even know how to set up my stream or what my scene needs to look like because I don't even know what we're doing. And I can't log into the website because the passwords don't even work until right at 8 a.m., so I'm like, I, what am I doing with this? This sounds like that game night movie. You about to get kidnapped. Exactly. I was like, well, I guess the worst thing I do is I sign up and then a Nigerian prince gets all my money. Like, I don't know. <laughs> right. So I start doing some sleuthing. I turn into Sherlock Holmes effectively and I start going, okay, let me find this company that sent this because they have uh, their company name as part of their email address. Right. So I'm like, they have a server name. Let me go find this. So I find the company. Find out that they're a legit company. They do special events for different things and whatever. All right, cool. That part makes sense. They were probably doing something in conjunction with Wizards of the Coast. All right. So then I go to this gather thing and find out how that website works. And I'm like, okay, so this is a thing where you can set up gatherings or events in a special kind of created space. So, okay, that sort of makes sense. Now there's going to be some sort of adventure-based thing that they're using in gather. And this is going to be a promotional thing for Wizards of the Coast. And since they said, see, never before seen cards or never seen before cards, there were, <laughs> I was like, okay, that makes sense. Cause at that point there were still something like 30 ish cards that weren't previewed and it was getting close to the date. And I was like, okay, well this makes sense. There's going to be some special event where they're going to make these cards be seen and ball. Okay. Got it. 
So then I just started hunting around so I could find people who had done it before or done something similar. So I could at least know what to expect, how to set up the stream, you know, what I need to do. So eventually get it all done. I get all set up the night before just so I don't have like I'm not scrambling bleary eyed at like 730 in the morning or whatever, trying to make this work. And it was kind of neat. So what it ends up being is I think there were somewhere between like 90 and 100, I think, during the time I was on. Some came, some went because we were in different time zones and stuff, obviously. But there were people from all over the world, different content creators, I'm assuming, because everybody I recognized was at least some level of known content creator, whether I've seen their YouTube videos or their streams or something. And you made your little 8-bit character. So, you know, they had, it was a fairly reasonable little thing. It had probably like 20 or 30 different uh, builds, and then you could adjust their like hair color, or outfit color, or whatever. So you make your little, your avatar, and it's kind of like playing a Zelda style game, like Zelda 1. Kind of like you walk around a map, there's there's doors and cracks in the wall, and you're trying to find stuff, and you know, you're dungeon crawling and whatever. And when you got to certain points, you might find a hidden treasure chest. And then the treasure chest revealed one of the cards. And then, you know, you and the people on your stream got to see the new card and talk about it, whatever. And they were eventually being added to the uh, the official card set list, I guess, as they were found. So I'm like, so that was kind of cool. It was, a, it was a neat idea. Some a different fun way to do it. And it was very thematic to being a RPG D&D style thing. You know, lots of stuff to do with dragons and whatnot. And I was like, cool. It was neat to be part of it. Thankfully, did not get kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, no, didn't get kidnapped. Uh, nobody got my money out of my bank account. Nothing like that. So totally safe. And I want to say it was kind of cool. I, the only thing I, I was disappointed in, actually, there was there was probably two things. The first is that there wasn't, I know people make fun of Wizard for having like an announcement for an announcement or an announcement before a thing. But like, I felt like this one needed more of an announcement. To say, like, hey, this is going to be happening so people know to look out for it. Like, you want to see the last few cards? I mean, and it wasn't even all 30 of them. It, I think it ended up being, like, 18 to 20 of the cards were previewed this way. But, you know, they could have said, like, hey, you want to see X number of previewed cards? Find one of these streamers or one of these YouTubers or whatever. On this day and this time, we're going to be doing this event. And that would have been kind of fun, I think. So people wanted to see them first. You can kind of scramble and be part of it and go watch your favorite creator who was invited or whatever. And most of the big names were invited. You know, I, I saw like, I want to say uh, Talia Vest was on. I saw CGB. Uh, saw a few others that I've, I've socialized with or recognized from watching their content in some way. So it was a good spread of people. There were a lot of uh, international folks as well. I mean, there, there were several languages. I didn't even pick up on what the language was. So they definitely had people from all over the world. So they did a pretty good job as far as making it an international event for everybody. And they, in the game, they also had people stationed as mods and staff members that could help you with stuff, I guess, if you got lost or whatever. And they were from different countries as well. They Several of them were bilingual, it looked like. So as far as putting it together, good job. I just think the awareness and presentation of it was kind of a letdown because even being involved in it, I literally had, I didn't even have 24 hours. I mean, I guess I had when I in the afternoon I got the email, so I maybe had something like sixteen hours. So even even in my, I even went to my Discord and I told them like, "Well, tomorrow I'm doing a semi-secret MTG D and D thing <laughs> that I'm gonna get to stream if y'all want to check it out." And that was all I could say because I didn't know what it was. 
Like I knew it sounded like it was a dungeon adventure thing, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. So I'm like, they're just going to be a thing if y'all want to come hang out. And it wasn't bad. I ended up getting, for the first half, I probably had something like 30-ish people. And then as it went on, I got up to like 100 viewers. So people came and watched, you know. And then I rolled that into doing a full set review of Adventure of Forgotten Realms because I was already on. So I just did a full like five-hour stream or whatever. But the other issue I had with it was that whoever created the map, there wasn't, well, one, there wasn't like, there, there was a, obviously a place to roam, but there wasn't like a reference map. So you kind of had to just remember where you'd been. But then it got weird because there were a lot of rooms that random port- randomly portaled to other places. So you would just get to the end of a thing and you'd walk through a door or a wall or a crack or whatever. And you just end up in another spot you'd already been at. But there wasn't like a rhyme or reason that they connected. And several of them connected to the same place. So it's just like. You kind of had to run around for a bit to sort of understand where the mapping was to figure out where to be or, you know, if you'd already seen a place or not. But other than that, you know, I'm kind of nitpicking a little bit because I'm sure they also had to throw it together on short notice or whatever and probably short staffed. But it was neat. I hope Wizard still continues to look to do things like that, whether I'm involved or not. Just better notice so you can build up more of an audience for it. Because, I again, I couldn't even promote it because I didn't even know what I was promoting. You know, I didn't even know the best way to present it on stream or how to pitch it because I, I literally had no idea. But it was fun. It was something different. It felt like a good throwback opportunity. And it may not be something they get to do again for a while, right? Because this probably doesn't necessarily work for Innistrad. You know, unless they want to do something that's just themed to zombies or vampires or werewolves or something, maybe. But... Realistically, it was perfect for a D&D scenario because it was adventures and dungeon crawling and lots of dragons and treasure. And it's like, OK, but yeah, it's just cool. Uh, if you want to check it out, you, I still have it up on my stream. It's like the first two hours from the Tuesday morning stream uh, should be just twitch.tv slash power dragon. If you want to check it out, it was kind of neat. It was interesting just to kind of bumble through it, but kind of cool. Hopefully we see more efforts like that, just hopefully with uh, some better promotion, I think. Because I, I like seeing different things. I like them trying something new. Uh, just people kind of had to know what was happening, and I don't think many people did. Uh, this one's controversial for a lot of people right now, but uh, Wizards of the Coast, as everybody knows, there was the news that they were going to reduce the prize pool down to $250,000 for world and of course people are upset about it and i guess it was about what was it even a full two weeks later huh and they came back and said you know what we're gonna go ahead and make this where each participant of the 16 gets a minimum of fifty thousand dollars and we're gonna keep the other two hundred fifty thousand dollars in the prize pool which in the end makes it more money than they initially were giving away instead of just being a million it's now 1.05 million so we got the money back. Cool. But then people are just like, yeah, but they didn't apologize. And my response was, yeah, all right. <laughs> well, like, because here's the thing, right? Let's be real about it. An apology is going to not do a damn thing. Like here, 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 we kind of created the situation for ourselves. And don't get me wrong, I'm not letting wizards off the hook because they obviously shouldn't even have been a thing. Money shouldn't have come off in the first place. 
we're all agreeing on that point, right? The money should have right. just been there. Shouldn't have ever been an issue. We shouldn't be having this discussion. But they basically, they did rectify it. As a matter of fact, I think this is better for the players because you have a floor of $50,000 now. Like, and you still get whatever the prize money is for 16th place or whatever. So, like, this feels like it's a little bit better for all the players. Minus the person who would, like, the top two or three people because you would have got the bigger payout, right? But yeah. you're getting at least a guaranteed minimum here, which is kind of nice. Which, honestly, I think more game companies should probably adopt this structure. Just saying, like, hey, you make it, you're getting at least this much money, and then here's what everybody else is fighting for. I actually really like that. But anyway, that aside. Well, if I would argue, you know, that an apology, like, when, whenever you, you've wronged somebody, you apologize. You know, if you're not, if you have no actual intent to do better, then yeah, an apology is meaningless, but it's still considered to be just. But here's of, the thing, and, I, and I'll tell you, just as a person, and maybe I'm petty or whatever, but like, if I know the apology is going to have zero weight, I don't even bother. And I'll tell you why. Because, and I do genuinely apologize to many people. for Hell, I've apologized on the show for things that I probably didn't even need to apologize for, honestly. But the difference is, if Wizards comes forward and apologizes, what were people going to say? Well, the apology doesn't mean anything. You shouldn't have done it in the first place anyway. True. Well, the apology doesn't mean anything because y'all are just going to screw up again next time. Like, the apology doesn't, that's all it's going to be. Yes, but an an apology doesn't need to be accepted. Like, if I do something wrong to you, you are under no obligation to accept my apology because we are both acknowledging I've done something wrong to you. Yes, but are you going to come back and just be like, yeah, but, and then, like, what was the point of me even apologizing? Depends on how mad I am. (laughs) You know, if if the apology is in my But here's my point. In Wizard's shoes, nothing's going to happen if they make that apology or not. I mean, some people will accept it. Not now; these people probably won't be the ones that'll tweet because exactly. If you tweet, you're more generally more upset. That's pretty much proven. That people that keep social mediaing about a thing are generally the people that are more upset about it. So there'll yeah, be a bunch of people accepting your apology that you'll just never hear from. I don't think the apology does anything. I'm, I could be in the wrong here, but literally, when I saw no apology, I just went like, okay, cool. So they gave the money back. It's awesome. Just, it's just kind of being human, you know? When you wrong someone, you're supposed to say, hey, you know, my bad. I have a secret I for you. Done that. It's a company, and the company's not human. Uh, uh, well, but contrary, it, but contrary customers to customers are humans. <laughs> it takes con- money from humans. Contrary to U.S. politics and tax policy, a company is not a person. <laughs> I, I get that. But without people, your company does not exist. If sure, we I agree. Buy but magic cards for But you, let's be real. Like these same people that are bitching about stuff, like they've been bitching for two decades and they're still buying magic cards. Like it's empty. It's empty on both sides. Like, you know what? The, now, a reasonable argument that it would have been cool if they made that announcement like prior to last weekend while the players were still competing for slots. And I don't know, maybe, I don't I don't think any of them tried any less because there was still a reason about money to, to fight for. But like, maybe some of them try harder or maybe some of them prep more, knowing there's a minimum well, yeah, $50,000. Some people were talking about bringing a whole deck full of 60 islands. So you know, nobody, nobody was going to do, do that. that now, I don't think. Nobody was going to do it anyway. Like, you have a chance you to win. Gold? You said nobody? No, they weren't. They weren't. Like, here's here's the reality. U.S. dollars are still worth way more than 90% of the countries that people are from in their money. Like, the, even $150,000, that's a lot of money if you're from Brazil. 
how much money were you going to get just as a flat appearance? Well, there, there was no flat appearance fee before this, right? No, but so if I you show you up can... and go over, how much money were you going to get? Uh, let me go look at the, the chart. It was still a big chunk of money. Like, uh, let me see. Do, 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 do. Here we go. It is the charts here. So the lowest end, you were going to get 5K. That's the low end. If you if you but did if you're coming nothing. from out of you, you could blow that on your on your play fair depending on where you're coming from. Well, this is all online though, so this is all pocket cash. Like you're not like especially if you're from a smaller country, that's still a lot in local money. And then but and I would argue is that if you can make five thousand off of a video. Playing 60 Islands, trolling wizards. You can easily make that much money but, back off of that. Well, a lot of them won't because that's part of the... We've talked about that before. That's part of the problem with the pro scene right now. But if you finished, you know, let's say even north of 8th place, then it's like 10,000, 18,000, 25,000, 40,000, 70,000, right? You're not going to turn off a chance to win that much money. Like, you're just not. Like, I could be mad as hell at Wizards, but, like, you give me a chance to still win fifty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000, like, I'm still going to go try. I think let's, a lot of- let's say you know that just you know, over your performances over the past couple of years, you, the most you expect to get is 5000 You could easily make that off of a YouTube video. Just if going I thought, here's the thing, though. If that was my skill level, I wouldn't even be one of those 16 people. Every one of those 16 people believes they have a chance. And they do. They, they're all skilled enough to have a chance at winning the money, or they wouldn't be there. So, like, I don't, I don't think so. Like, literally, in the history of the Pro Tour, even with all the people that have been mad at Wizards and all the things that have happened over the years and all the changes to the Pro Tour scene and blah, blah, and all that, we've had one person show up with a joke deck in 20-plus years. But it has happened. <laughs> with one per, And really... He didn't even, he just showed up to get an appearance fee, basically. So just, or actually to get his free reimbursement for a plane ticket or it was at the time, I think. So like, so we can't say it hadn't been done. I, th- I didn't know it had happened before. That's, you have more experience than this to me. So yeah, it has happened before. Yeah, but that is a whole different circuit. And it's a particular person. I don't, I don't think it was going to happen. I think a lot of people were just grandstanding personally. Well, again, as we talked about earlier, like when you, as a company, try to figure out, you know, how how your money's going to go. If one person shows up and does it, it could wreck the whole system. Maybe. But all they could do is just institute a policy and say, like, hey, if you show up with a thing, you just don't make any money. Like, it's still a promotional event. Except you know? for whatever you made, you know, <laughs> streaming this on Twitch or YouTube or however you handle it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it would be that big. Most of these people... Don't even like the only way it would be is if you were already one of the really big names. If you were a Seth Manfield, uh, Apollo, well, like you said, if you're here, you're already one of the big names, right? No, I did not say that. I said you had the skill. So I did you, not say you so were a you big have name. The skill. If you're somebody with the skill, is automatically one of the biggest names? No, no, I don't think I, there are a lot of people in Magic that have a lot of good skill that are not household names among Magic players. They are not, and that again, this comes back to what we talked about a couple of shows ago. You have a lot of people who have a lot of skill who have played on the Pro Tour for several years that nobody knows who they are. And but that you, will continue but if you show with 60 Islands, they learn pretty quick who you were. There are people who have been around for years that don't even know the last time it happened. 
And that person is a prominent person in the magic community, and they still don't know that he was the one that did it. It's like, that is Dan Bach. He is the person who probably owns one of the largest magic collections in the world and probably is currently in the possession of the most black lotuses of anybody okay. on the planet. And people so don't even know who That alone should make him a huge day. <laughs> you would think so, but people don't know who he is. And he's been in part of the magic community for decades, literally, since near the beginning. So the fact that other people are going to do it and you think they would make a bunch on it, like, I disagree. I think it has to be a very particular person to do it. You know, and I do think there are a handful of them that could, but yeah, I also think could do it. He's already a big name. So exactly. Like, he could do it if he were to qualify. Like I said, Seth Manfield, Paulo, any of those guys, I think they could do it. But I also don't think they are the type. Now, Crokey's might, but I don't think Seth and Paulo, I don't think that class of person is the type of person to do it. And for them, I think it also still matters that like, hey, I could still win this thing. Yeah. You know, I could still get a pile of money. I could still add to my resume of a great player. I can still do all these things, right? Like, so I don't think people are really going to do it. But, like I said. I do think the threat was taken into account by Wizards. They said, hey, you know what? Let's just get ahead of this. Everybody gets an appearance fee that's so big. Nobody will upset the apple cart. I don't don't think it was so much the threat of that. I think it was just somebody coming back to just the general PR point. I'm just like, look, we already earmarked the money initially. Like, we don't have the justification for having, like, you know, COVID was a better year than we thought it was going to be. Like, right. we, can't, we can't really go back and be like, yeah, but, like, let's just give them the money. And then somebody was smart enough to say, well, let's structure it in a way that it's better for each of the players. And then we'll still keep the 250000 so we don't look terrible and just call it a day. And that's probably what happens. Somebody or some people were tasked with figuring out the way to say, like, look. Let's not make it look awful that we made it $250,000. What can we do to still make it good to everybody and give some money back? And then they came up with this thing and said, well, not only are we giving money back, it's actually more money than we said we were going to give away. And we still have the $250,000 to play for. Cool. Now, some people went back and said, well, this is terrible. You should have still had it so you could say it's a million dollars and then there's more money for first place and blah, blah. Like, I disagree. I know a lot of people are like, yeah, we should be able to tack big numbers onto these different prize pools and we should be able to talk about first place being these big prizes or whatever. But like, I love the fact that if you're putting in time and effort and you qualify and whatever, there's a solid floor on what you can win. Like, I look, I, seriously, I, thinking about it, I would love to see more tournaments do this and more events. Do you think that's actually a thing they're thinking about or? No idea. But I, I like, and admittedly, I'm not saying like, hey, this is good for it. Like, again, I would have rather them just keep the million dollars and just restructure it. We wouldn't even have this discussion. If they even came back and said, hey, we still want to keep this million dollar prize pool, but we have this idea to make it better for each individual player. Like, that would have been fine. I don't think anybody would have griped. The money's still there. You're just guaranteeing a floor for everybody who participates. Totally good with that. I don't think anybody would have complained. I don't think that was the original plan. I think it was the backup plan after people got upset. But I, we'd have been fine with that. But I love that. I think because you prep, like everybody prepped the same. It's just somebody's going to spike this tournament. You know what I mean? Like yeah. all these players are good. They've all put in work for a year leading up to the world championships. They've all qualified these various ways. They've all shown that they're good enough. But on that day, somebody has to win. Like somebody's going to be better than everybody else on that day. So like, is that person more deserving of $150,000 while the last person is only deserving of like $10,000? Like, uh, 
eh. I mean, it looks neat to be able to say, like, we gave $150,000 first prize to this person yeah. or whatever. And that's cool. But, like, we could also have just given everybody $50,000 and first place still is going to go home with $120K, I guess, the way this breaks down. So, like, I'm still good with this. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a neat idea. I think where we finished up is nice. I don't really have a problem with it. But I... The whole thing about the apology, I feel like it feels like people just needling for something else. Like, cool, we got what we wanted. Good enough for me. I don't give a damn if you apologize or not. I don't <laughs> feel that, but I don't feel that way about a lot of things in life. I was gonna say you've already said, you know, that you're not big. Uh, you know, apologies don't necessarily make you feel any better. Yeah, like whatever done is done. I mean, you correct your behavior. That's what we want, right? You mean you come and drop an n bomb on me? I don't really care if you apologize for it. Like, you just quit being an awful human. Like, if you treat me right from then forward and you come and apologize, cool. But, like, I still want to see your behavior change. Same thing with Wizards. If Wizards come forward and apologizes today, that doesn't change anything if we're still worried about them doing something tomorrow. You know, they have to show me a history of things and, like, okay, cool. Now we're back to, to even. And, and we can talk about the future now. But I don't know. Like, I see an apology and I'm kind of just like, yeah, all right. <laughs> but... It does again. If it you doesn't do something wrong to the court. Don't apologize. Yeah, you don't need to change your behavior. Like an apology is nice, dude. Like acknowledging you did wrong is nice. But I've also had, you know, you probably have too, had people apologize something, and then like a month later, they're doing some other dumb thing. Well, yeah, exactly. So what did the apology do? It did nothing. It, like you didn't learn anything from it, and now we're both angry again. I like, mean, at the time, the apology may have made me feel better. But it was empty, right? It was rope a dope chairs. All they did, <laughs> they're like, look, see, I'm good again, right? Yeah, cool. And then, like, nope, still wrong. God damn it. And sometimes you just, especially in our current political climate, sometimes you just want, like, hey, we, acknowledge, we both acknowledge that the thing happened, you know? Yeah, sure, sure. I do think that's fair. I do think there are levels to it, right? There are some issues that I do think you literally attack people on a personal level. Or, you know, you're attacking somebody's being or heritage or whatever. Yeah. That that probably does at least warrant some level of apology. Like, hey, look, I went way over the line. I'm attacking you as a person, which is unfair. You know, like I'm making judgments on things I shouldn't be. Like those level of things probably do deserve an apology. Like I'll give you an example of an apology that made me feel a lot better about it. I was having a political disagreement. And uh, they said, you know, basically, you you can't even show me where one person in the media has ever said one good thing about President Trump. I immediately went and found them a clip of Van Jones on CNN saying that Trump had done a good thing on prison reform. They said, you know what? I didn't see that. You're right. (laughs) I didn't know about that. Thank you for showing me that. I was wrong. And yes. That made me feel good because they acknowledged, hey, okay, I was I was doing some hyperbole and you called me out on it. Sure, that's fair. That's fair. But I'd also venture to guess that if you had a future discussion with that person, they're not going to bring that up as an arguing point anymore. True. So see, that's what I'm saying. So the behavior changed. But like, I, do we know the behavior is going to change on Wizards yet? Like, no. No, we don't. I bet, we, I bet again. We, we have a Exactly. We have a pattern showing that it's it's problematic right now. So until that changes, I don't care about an apology. Like, I'm good just saying like, hey, and being real, 
most of us were never going to touch this money anyway. We're kind of defending 16 oh, yeah. people here. Yeah, you know, which to be fair, good that they got their money. I ain't mad about it. But, mm-hmm. you know, all right, let's see what happens when we get to the other announcements and the other events and you know, when we get back to doing more events at local stores and the new qualifier system. And we're like, I think all of that will be where we start having more real discussions, seeing if behavior has changed and they are putting the money into it. They said they were going to and all that other stuff. But for this, cool. I think this is one of those cases where, like, I didn't like the journey, but I appreciate the destination. You know what I mean? Like, we had to go through this whole thing of like losing money and then people getting mad and then coming up with a new thing or whatever. But I actually really liked the final result. Oh yeah. Like, it's like more feel- money at the end of the day. That, that was, that was the result. We, it's better than the result we were hoping for. Yeah, exactly. It's more, it's more money, money and I like the structure better. So I was like, I want to be even more mad at it, but I'm like, I could only be mm-hmm. so mad. Cause I'm like, nah, well a good thing did come out of this. Now, admittedly, I don't know if they'll keep the structure for the future or anything else ever. I but, mean, what they've described sounds like they wouldn't because if they, if they said you're not going to be able to live off of this, especially here, somebody in the southern United States, if I do for a fact, I'd make 50000 next year playing Magic, I'd call that enough money to live off of. Sure, sure. But I, again, no, I think it sounds like they have no intention. Of no, doing but, this but to be fair, their thing wasn't about individual event prizes. Their thing was about just being paid strictly to be there. That's the thing they're taking money away for. So I want to make sure that's clear because they even reiterated yeah. that. Like, it's not prize events can still have big prizes and you show up, you earn it, whatever. But they're not going to pay you just to be show up and play at a tournament. Like, you're not getting just because you exist, we're going to pay you a salary to show up to these five, six, eight tournaments throughout the year. So, in, in, I don't know. Again, we're on different sides of that. I, I think that's still there's still so many points to discuss on that, I think, at the end of all of it. But if we are going to talk about events, uh, <laughs> another another game out there, it's called Flesh and Blood that people may not know about, which, by the way, I really hate that name. I really do. Uh, I get what their their purpose is. The way they describe it is they were trying to. One, it is a combat game, so it's fitting, but also they want their game to always be a physical in-person game, hence Flesh and Blood. Which, all right, it's cute, I get it, but man, it's terrible for marketing. Like, it, it really is bad for marketing. Like, if you, like, how do you expect somebody who's a, I don't know, let's say 12 to 17-year-old to tell their parents, like, yeah, I need you to take me to this Flesh and Blood tournament in Dallas? Like, you know, like, a what? Right? Then you have to explain it like, yeah, it's not good for marketing purposes. Like, you know, if somebody's going to because, you know, there's always local PR around big tournaments and stuff like local paper, TV station, whatever. Like just even them saying it just comes off weird. Like it it sucks now. It's kind of it's what you are. You, you've gone down this well, road yeah, already. Yeah. It is what it is. But man, you know, if y'all are starting any small businesses or whatever, like think about your name and your branding. Like it is super important. You mean TNA wasn't a good name for a wrestling company? <laughs> no. Like, <laughs> even, and dude, even being a wrestling fan, there were times it was like you'd be talking about it and you try to like avoid mentioning the name. Yeah, yeah I want to <laughs> like, watch that. What's it called? Uh, don't worry about all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, you try like total nonstop action wrestling. And they're like, I don't think it's, it's a, you mean TNA? Like, yeah, it's TNA wrestling, man. Like, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, 
it's just it's not good. It's not good. And I think that's the issue with the game, right? That yeah. that's one of my biggest issues. Even when I first heard about it, I was like, what? And I was like, okay, I guess, but like you couldn't come up with anything else, something that was evocative of the combat, the anachronistic kind of situation, like anything. Like there's like there's gotta be something. But anyway, naming aside, just bringing that up because people may not have heard the game before, didn't know what it was. I've, I will say I, I've had that same struggle with uh, numerous I mean, just card game or all kinds of games. There was a video game one time that I think was called Obscure, and I'm like, "Good lord, why would you name anything you plan to sell to people Obscure?" Really? I don't. Yes. Know, I've never heard of it. And it was RPGs. So the tag there was Obscure, then there was some tagline under it, but the big letters who were this this game is called Obscure, and I'm like, "Oh my." God. Yeah, that's terrible branding. Because even when you, you talk about, about it, that. you'd have to say like the new game obscure, blah blah blah, and that would yeah. re- that just reads weird. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Like branding is such a big thing. I really, I've always felt that way. Like from even not twenty years ago. Like just branding is so so important. Yeah. But there's been comparisons lately. Well, one okay. Let me stop the conversation right now. <laughs> Of people saying, oh, Flesh and Blood's going to overtake Wizards of the Coast, and they're going to... Bu-. Like, no, they're not. Like, not today. If it is, it's way down the road. <laughs> but, like, not right now, y'all. Like, just... We've seen it before. You're, I'm talking as somebody who's been in the industry for a long time, talking to other people in the distribution chain, talking to other retailers. We are nowhere near that point. Hell, right now, Flesh and Blood can't even get enough product to people's hands. They can't even produce even the small amounts that they need right now for the demand they have. And their demand looks bigger than it is because a lot of people just can't get stuff right now, but it's not anywhere close right now. Y'all it's not even 10% of magic sales right now for most retail, even the ones who can get it. It's not even close right now. So let's, let's slow your, actually I say that there's a handful of stores where it is bigger, but that's with a lot of games. That's just, you know, you know, as I did, we had some stores that crushed it with raw deal and other people yeah. couldn't sell any. Right. And then you had people where you go to the store like, what are you even talking about? What's raw Yeah. Deal? So like same thing here. Like it's it's just one of those things. So let's let's kill that. Right. I mean, do you think is that they've been at the top so long? What would you even say? Hey, we talked a little bit about this on the pre-show. What would you seem like a number that you would have to have it for anybody even to have a shot at knocking magic off of the top? Yeah. Like the the reality is. Even if Magic started in a decline, it would be a long decline. Yeah. I mean, it would have to happen over the course of like five to eight years, probably. And even then, somewhere in there, somebody would probably just make an agreement to either revitalize it or buy it. You know, you can't get it right now because to buy Magic, you'd probably have to really, the deal would be a billion dollar deal, probably. Like, for for example, we went through a stretch last year where if you search Magic the Gathering, all the stories that came up were Joe Rogan talking about Magic the Gathering is racist. And I mean, that went on for like a month and a half and they had record sales in the year where that happened. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, a, it, I don't know what it would take at this point. To, I'm not trying to, you know, they say it's too big to fail, but I, I can't imagine how they could have a worse public relations year. Well, yeah. And that's kind of my point, right? Like it, we've seen all the things that have happened and they've still had bigger year and bigger year and bigger year right so eventually i guess maybe eventually it peaks but we're still not even there yet like not even close 
And again, people have to get past the fact of what you see on social media is not reflective of the actual magic community and the sales that are going on out there. Because again, I can read Facebook, Twitter, whatever, and see people say, oh, Wizards is killing retailers and this program's taking money away from stores and blah, blah. And I'm in retailer groups where people are going, I can't get enough magic. I'm selling all this. And this has been my best year ever and blah, blah. So like, that's not what's going on. What you see on social media is not the full story, period. Hands down, even now where people are like, well, this pro player started playing flesh and blood. So that's it. Wizards is dead. There's no competitive thing. Like what? Most people don't even know who that pro player is. Like they just don't like literally go to any of your local game stores, ask random guy coming in to buy a booster pack. If he can name 10 pro players, if he can name 10 guarantee you half of them are going to be the same ones that the next person knows. Yeah. Probably going to be like LSV, you know, Paulo, Seth, Juza, whatever. They're going to go down the list of the same ones everybody knows, right? That's just the way it is. So when you see, like, number, we'll say, 25 in the world has picked up flesh and blood, that doesn't matter to anybody but me, you, and a couple people on Twitter. Right. Just doesn't. Now, do you think over the course of, let's say, five to ten years, do you think uh, Twitch changes that in any way? No, because Twitch can't get out of their own damn way as far as marketing stuff. A lot of truth there. So, like, eh, I don't think so. Like, the people who want to present themselves and the people who want to be presenters of things will do it, and they will build an audience. Like, side note, also so somebody tried to make an argument in one of these silly Wizards chains to be mad about something, that Wizards screwed over streamers by taking away the creator program, and the creator program wasn't doing crap. Like, if you don't have an audience, that ain't Wizards' fault. That's you for not, one, probably being a good presenter, or two, just not putting the time and the effort in. Like, if you needed their program to make you something as a streamer or creator, you aren't that good. Like, sucks, but I'm just being real. You know, like, if if that's what you're upset about, saying they screwed creators by that, that wasn't them. That was you. Message. So, <laughs> favorite, or one of our favorite sound bites. Just being real for a second there. Like, we're making arguments about things that just aren't true. Like, we have to stop that. Like, hyperbole works in certain situations, but you can't just keep throwing stuff out there. Like, you, you got to have rhyme. Re- like, and I've even challenged Fox people. says you absolutely can. Well, that's true. <laughs> but I've already, I've started challenging people on social media. I've been stepping into a lot of conversations and correcting people. Like, the other day, I also saw that, like, somebody was saying, well, Wizards shouldn't have taken funding away from Magic Legends and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's not how business works. I guarantee you, they just sold them the license and either get some licensing fees or revenue shares. That's it. The rest is on the company. Yeah, like, it was, I mean, by any reasonable estimation, it was time to shut Magic Legends down. Yeah, I was like, come on now. Y'all got to just stop this. Like, we're just saying words and we don't even know what they mean. <laughs> like, for real. We don't know how anything works, but we're trying to be experts on things. Stop, please. And the reason I bring this up I say all this because Flesh and Blood is hosting four tournaments. I believe it's Dallas, then Chicago, and then L.A., uh, or not L.A., uh, Vegas, and I don't remember where the other one is. But they're all four major cities in different parts of the country. And people are saying, like, oh, well, see, Flesh and Blood already has tournaments against Wizard hadn't given us announcement. They're, they're going to overtake them and blah, blah, blah. Like, because somebody made announcements for four tournaments because you're excited because they use the term pro tour. 
for the record, Wizards wasn't the first ones or the only ones who used the term pro tour to begin with. Like, let's stop with that. Like, we're adults. We're better than that. Or we should be. Like, come on, y'all. Let's be real about it. Let's break it down. The reason Flesh and Blood is running these tournaments in September, which, by the way, we're still not clear of the pandemic yet. And, again, we're going to be part of, an, of the, one of the first midsize events being with the Hunter Burt Memorial Open in August. Right. And I guarantee you though, that event and these Flesh and Blood events, Wizards will be watching. Because Flesh and Blood is taking advantage of a market where there's basically no events for anyone. Not just Magic. There's no big scheduled Pokemon events, no big Yu-Gi-Oh events to my knowledge. Feel free to correct me on social media if I'm wrong. But most of the video game tournaments have some small events, but nobody's doing anything big right now. Right? They're taking advantage of a dead spot and trying to make a name for themselves. Because Which there's, is, I feel, you know, it's provided they don't cause a COVID outbreak, could be a good move on. Exactly. Part, provided like, they're willing to gamble that, okay, if we take a take a shot in the soft spot right now, and we run events and people are excited, and they start talking about it, we'll get some more sales. Maybe we can build up to something big in 2022. Whatever. Like I get it. I don't fault them at all. Like it, it makes sense. It's it's a plan. Wizards is not in that position. You know what they can do? They can watch the HBMO. They can watch this first event for Flesh and Blood. And then they can say, all right, we saw what these events did. We saw the protocols they put in place. This worked. This didn't. Okay, let's implement these and do this. And now let's talk about our next event series. And on top of that, let's also be aware that Flesh and Blood doesn't have to make any considerations for a world championship yet, though they are qualifying people for it. But they don't have to worry about, well, how does a Grand Prix or the equivalent to their Opens, whatever they're calling their challenges or whatever, affect somebody in Europe who has different COVID protocols, right? Because you can't have a Grand Prix and then not have it qualify you for Worlds because when people be like, well, what's the point of the Grand Prix? And then if they do, you have people upset because they're saying, well, that's not fair because then you have a bunch of Americans that can play events, but we can't play them in Italy yet because we had to go through a second lockdown or whatever. Like, there are other considerations Wizards has that a company like Flesh and Blood or a game like Flesh and Blood doesn't have right now. Like, and again, this isn't to say, like, I don't want a Wizards now. Obviously, I'm looking forward to a Wizards announcement. I want to go to Grand Prix. I want to play more stuff. But I also understand why there's not one right now. Right? Let's just be real about it. One of these is an up-and-comer that has to take a chance. But if there is some type of problem or, like you said, a COVID outbreak or whatever, they're done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Before you even and get they, out the they gate. They know that. They, as you said, they, they put that on their whiteboard. You know, these, yeah. these, are the, these are the pros, these are the cons. And right now, con is, hey, we could cause an apocalypse. Absolutely. But they, they, this is their gap, right? They know there's no Wizards events. They know there's no big card game events of any kind. A bunch of them aren't even having world championship things. Like, this is it. Like, this is our opportunity. They're going for it. They've measured it and figured this is safe enough. And power to them. Hopefully nothing bad happens. I don't think it will. But, you know, they're taking their shot. The bigger companies, they can play it safe. They don't need to be in a hurry. Their market's still going to be there. 
you, me, and whatever competitive person that decides I want to quit doing this so I can play flesh and blood, that is not even one half of 1% realistically of the money they have coming into Wizards of the Coast. Let's be real. So, yeah, that's just the way it's going to be. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with what, like, and I think it makes sense for both sides. Like I said, I get why Flesh and Blood's doing what they're doing. I get why Wizards of the Coast is doing what they're doing. I get why the HBMO is doing it the way they're doing it. Hell, they've already said we're implementing all kinds of things and even making sure things are still socially distanced, limiting the number of people. Like, so the event's not going to be the big grand thing it could be, but it's like, this is the only way you can run the event safely. But they're also not marketing it as like, it's going to be this big thing and we're going to be all these prizes. Like, it's definitely scaled down from the last couple yeah. of years. Right? You have to, though. And every company's making the decision they have to make for their efforts. And I get it. But to sit here and say that, like, oh, well, this is going to be the end of Wizards and no, oh, no competitive thing's going to happen. And now oh, this is like, come on, y'all. It just make it just sounds silly. And I'm not even going to say Flesh and Blood is a bad game or anything like that. I think it's fine. Matter of fact, I've considered picking it up. And at least having it as a side game to play in paper when I'm not playing Magic. So, like, I'm not sitting here and poo-pooing the game at all. But let's be real. We haven't even seen one real event from Flesh and Blood yet. Like, you know, we've seen some local tournaments or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, some local stores have run some 20 and 30 person things. That's cool. But we haven't even seen how they run their first Grand Prix level event. For all we know, they could have a bunch of inconsistent rulings and people leave mad. And, you know, their rounds are really long because the players don't know what they're doing and matches get reported incorrectly and their pairings have to be redone each round. Like, we don't know. They could have a whole series of things and the events could just be giant. Well, I almost used an F-bomb there, but like they could just be a mess. Right. And then what? It's like, well, yeah, maybe their company just can't handle big events. But we already are trying to anoint them the new king. Like... Come on, y'all. Like, you and I both, we have played many games. Hell, there yes. are games that have been better funded and better. When you talk about, like, Versus System, right. the World of Warcraft card game or whatever by Upper Deck, and they had way more money. And bigger yeah. licenses. Absolutely. And those fell apart. And those events were well organized. I still yeah. know some people that helped put them together, organize them. The prizes were good. All that. And those still fell apart. So, like... Let's slow down. Like we have enough. I've been waiting for a, a Marvel card game that takes hold for my entire card game in life, and we really still don't have one. Yeah, and it's hard to think like if Versus didn't. And now Versus, I think, was because strategy was too high. I think. I really do. And feel also, that way. like we've discussed on on here, like they went in and tried to have a pro tour before they had you know everything set up. They just. And when they stopped throwing money at it, they lost a whole bunch of people because they didn't do a good enough job setting up the casual play. Yep. And and that was going to be my next point. So I'm glad you mentioned that, that we're at a point where they haven't even taken care of the casual level yet. And to be fair, not their fault. COVID happened, right? Yeah. You can't be flesh and blood and be a paper card game and then nobody can play each other. Like It, it sucks. It's just nothing you can do about it, right? But you haven't even established that yet. And every single game we've seen, going all the way back to, like, the spoils, if you remember that game. Yeah, I do. They had a whole plan, like, summer bus tour, and it was going to be, like, the like the and one tournament where, like, you can win and you can get on the bus for so many things and you defend it. Like, it was going <laughs> to be this whole... I, 
I remember hearing this at the time. It, it oh, sounded dude. so cool. No, I, I, was, I hear it at my age. It's like, God, how did it? I how? talked to the dudes at Gen Con because I was our store was going to be a stop on their bus thing, on their their thing, and I saw like their tour bus, and like it was the bomb. Like they had spent real money. Yeah. That thing didn't even get off the ground as far as the tour. Like, and they were advertising the crap out of it, and they made yeah, these partnership were. deals and whatever. You know, same thing with versus and the world of warcraft game they had did these set up these big special events and these 10ks and all this stuff and the casual play had never been established and every game that survived for any significant amount of time has been largely because of the casual player whether you're talking about magic pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh, held all the dbz variants yep. you know hell raw deal running for seven years Largely on the casual level, the, you know, like, the new drag or one of the many Dragon Ball Z games is an add-on in the Dragon Ball Z role-playing game. Yeah, like if you don't establish that casual market, you don't have long-term success. Like casual play does not carry your game because of two things. Or pro play, you meant to say? You no, know, pro play because of two things, right? One, the average person is just not driven like that. Yeah, Like the average person doesn't have the time to dedicate. They're not looking for top level stuff. They want to have fun with their games. Like they're just not going to be that person. That That is honestly, that's far and away the biggest issue. The other is that the competitive player does not spend as much money on a per person basis on the games that they play. A serious competitive player hones in on one or two things they have a very tight collection. They're selling stuff just to keep funding the next thing. They're spending more money on hotels, travel, entry fees, whatever, than they are on actual cards. Whereas the casual player is like, cool, I just want a box so I can build this fun deck so me and my right. friends can just goof around in my kitchen or whatever. Like, that's where the money's at. And it's just a numbers game, right? You're In any game, you're going to have, let's say... Let's say even a competitive first-person shooter or whatever, right? You have maybe a couple thousand that are actual, serious, competitive, top-level players. And then you have literal million that are just the people are going to get on, log on, and play for two hours each night. Like, one of those is going to make you way more money than the other one. But if you cater and make it all about that top level... Then those other players kind of go like, eh, I don't really care. The game starts to shift this way to being more competitive and whatever, and that's just not me. I'm moving on to the next thing. Now, hopefully, Flesh and Blood can capture some of the casual stuff once we kind of get back to some normalcy here. But, yeah, there's too many things right now where I say I can't anoint them the new king. I can't even anoint them the new prince. <laughs> they they might be like a, at least a squire. Like, they're learning. They're coming <laughs> up. Squire. They're, they're not, not even the court, a knight, but a they're, squire. They're not the court gesture. You know, I'm not going to make fun of them. Like, their game is solid. Like, they're they're doing some things right. But, man, it's a long way to the top. Yeah. And Wizards has a long way to fall. Like, let, let's be real here. Like, even if Wizards fell 25%, they would still be, still be. exponentially <laughs> larger than the next closest thing. As far as card games go. Like, that's just the way it is. So let's just be real about that. But as far as being on Wizards butt about like not having GP announcements or whatever, like I get it why it's not. They are risk averse. One of the things they have that a lot of other companies don't have is 
the the parent company Hasbro ain't gonna let Wizards go off a cliff without you know taking a whole bunch of beatings, spending money if it needs to be spent. Yep. Most companies don't have a parent company like that that they. For example, you know, we we talk about hyperbole. So many people were saying, you know, after the Nintendo Wii U failed, or every time a Nintendo console doesn't do well, see, you need better graphics, you need higher power, Nintendo's done. They'll never be relevant again. Somebody crunched the numbers. Nintendo could go, I think they said something like, a hundred years without turning a profit and would still be financially solvent. They've made that much money. You know what? Nintendo should be the example people use that, Right. They have only ever catered to the casual gamer. Yes. You know, that's literally, if you look through, they don't have very many hardcore titles ever on Magic, on, on Nintendo products. Yeah. It's just, it's just not been their brand. Yeah. Mario, Zelda, they, they go for the, the that's the, the joke people make. They've been selling you the same four or five franchises for 40 years. Yes, but they're the best in the world. That is. Yep. And people keep buying them. Like that's just more proof, though. All, every, hell, our, we've had probably fifteen Mario parties, right? And like eight or nine Mario carts, play <laughs> like, every one of them. You know, like, and they all sell millions of copies, right? right? Like, you don't regret not a minute you spent playing any. Nope, not a one. And I think that's the thing, right? You have to have that casual level of customer. The so other, hopefully, yeah, go ahead. Microsoft and Sony they switch mascots every four or five years. <laughs> Yeah, they do. That is a bad problem. That is bad. But yeah, I, I think really, like, I, I don't want people to take away them saying, like, Flesh and Blood doesn't have a chance. They can't be a real competitor. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying, based on the things people are trying to base their arguments on, those are not the reasons they're going to be a competitor. It's just not. Like, we can be as excited about the words pro tour as we want to be. We can be as excited as seeing, like, whatever, their $20,000 prize pool or whatever. Yeah, I am excited. Like you said, I'm, yeah. I'm going to look into the game, probably pick and, you know, talk about it. And yeah, I'm like, I'm interested to see new games come along. And, you know, absolutely. You and I both, we played a ton. And like I said, I'm probably going to pick it up and play some, and it'll be my number two game probably that I play at events. And I'm like, no problem with that. I, nothing but support for the game and love for the company. But I also don't want to see, to see people making bad decisions based on these dumb statements we're seeing online because we've seen history like you and i both have been part of a lot of games and seen a lot of it and like this doesn't mean anything as far as a measure of success literally zero a matter of fact it's arguable that this is more of a harbinger of death than it is (laughs) success I mean, seriously, we can go back history and just look yeah, like yeah. every example says this is actually bad, not good. I, I hope it's different this time. I forgot about the bus. <laughs> this yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And that's a long time ago. That's like, God, 18 years ago or something. I wonder what happened to the bus. That'd be <laughs> an artifact worth all the money. I don't even know. I would love to bus. do a story on that. If, it, if anybody can get me in touch with the people at the spoils, I would love to do an interview and video on that. Because I think it's a neat point in history. It that really would be is. worth noting. And I yeah. remember a bunch of people saying back then, oh, yeah, spoils is coming. Every Yu-Gi-Oh! and all the other games are finished. <laughs> and you know what? And this is a true story. This is the whole reason I went out of my way to talk to them that year at Gen Con. As I sat with them and I was like, cool. I said, I would still participate and let our store be a stop just because. Like, Because on the like 
just maybe I'm wrong. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, and if I'm able to, cool, I'll at least sign up because if it falls apart, I have no investment. If the tour just right. doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, whatever. But the more they described it, I was like, how much is this going to cost? You're talking about like fueling this, this yep. fantastic tour. Like it was like a Jerry Jones level tour bus. <laughs> like it was nice. And they were talking, I'm like, okay, so then you're going to have to be paying a driver for the whole summer. And then you're going to be paying travel expenses for people who are no longer on the bus because you got to get them back home, right? So you're either buying a plane ticket, bus ticket, whatever for them. You're you're still doing all these stops at the different stores. You're going to have to have somebody doing reporting and website stuff for each of these events for results. Streaming wasn't a thing back then, so you didn't have to worry about that as far as like commentators and stuff. But then it was like, how do you promote it in real time other than doing website updates? Because otherwise, we just had like Inquest magazine and stuff that people would be reading to get the results or whatever. So just like it was like the whole thing was just weird. And I'm like, man, y'all are going to end up spending a lot of money for not a lot of promotion. Like, I don't know about this. Yeah, and then it's, I mean, I was I was writing gaming articles back then. I didn't know about the bus. <laughs> and even and honestly, even their game took a different direction, too. They were trying to be more like edgy or whatever. And I'm yeah. like, that's that's not going to get you the casual customer. That's that's not what you want. And kind of same with flesh and blood, like the name itself already is a hindrance for things. And it's like, eh, okay, we can get past that. It's not like the end of the world, but it it's is not a, obscure. <laughs> yeah, but it but it is one of those things where even though it's small, that is one more barrier. You know, and that's one of the things we talk about a lot, even on our show is like, whatever, there are barriers for a lot of different reasons. And you do everything you can to take each one of those down in advance. Because if it doesn't need to be a barrier, you don't want it to be because you're already going to have some you can't avoid. And people are already skittish about trying new games because so many of them come and go every year. And some of them were big and kind of went away. Right. You know, after some of them were like huge for 24 months and then just blip, they're gone. They, they get Thanos snapped into the universe and you never even hear anything about them again. So it's tough. It's tough. But I think these events will probably be fine. I don't think anything major is going to happen. I'm pretty certain. I mean, you never know, obviously. But I think they'll be fine. I just am waiting more to see, okay, what's the plan to get more stores to carry it? What's the plan to get more people on the lower level to play it? Right? What are people going to be doing? You know, what's your Friday night magic, your Saturday tournament equivalent? Like, what, what are you doing for, like, small regional conventions and outreach? Like, that's the stuff we're going to have to see from them before I can really put them on that pedestal. Or at least as a compare. Because right now, it's not even, you know, you're talking, people are talking about going for the head on Magic. It's like, you haven't even overcome Yu-Gi-Oh! Right? And I'm not, and I'm not insulting Yu-Gi-Oh! But, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! is like the solid number three. Yeah. Right? You haven't even got the bronze medal yet. And we're already trying to say, like, okay, y'all are going to get the top of the metal stand. Like, that, there's, come on now. Like, we, we got to. Yukio's memes alone should keep it in at least second to third place. Yeah, so, I mean, we got a ways to go. And even then, like, you still haven't overcome, hell, they haven't even overcome the ultimate fighting system, which is still a thing. You know, and that game is just a fighter game based uh, card game that uses a bunch of different fighter game properties. So, Still a lot to overcome, but I, you know, it is what it is. All right, we kind of ranted for a lot on a lot of things today. And we, <laughs> we knew it was going to be. I knew we, it was going to be. We knew it was going to be. 
I, I warned you in the beginning. If you made it this far, you are a champion because we're almost <laughs> done. But, you know, we couldn't leave without a little bit of dinner table talk. And this one, oh boy, this one's one that comes up a lot. But this week, particularly, I had no less than three people. I'm thinking off the top of my head, for sure three. I feel like it was four, but I, I can remember three. That all basically said the, something along the lines of, you either sound or remind me of Barack Obama. Now, do yourself a favor. Take some clips from different people and then close <laughs> your eyes and listen to them. There is no way at all you would confuse me with Barack Obama. No. Not even. Would I confuse Morgan Freeman with Barack Obama? Yeah, exactly. Very different. Now, there are some actors, if you said it, I'd be like, okay, maybe I can see the inflection or, you know, the accent or whatever, maybe a little bit. Like, okay, cool. But Barack Obama has a very particular cadence, even, where you get a bunch of little word stops and, you know, the yeah. way he speaks. And then and then you get, uh, you know, these things up here on the top or where, like, what do you do, right? You, I want to make one thing perfectly clear. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Like, totally not the same. And what's sad about yeah, I've this? I've never heard Barack and be like, boy, he sounds just like the corn. Exactly. Not even now, okay, let me say I am not insulted at all to be compared to the no, former president. I mean, you, you want to accept the comparison. Yeah. You you want any old, but you know that one is, is crap. But not that one. Like if you'd have been yeah. like, man, you are as inspiring as Barack Obama. Yeah. You know, you take something that. like that. Like, cool. I'd get it. And I'd be like, okay, hey, I appreciate that. That's a cool compliment. But just be like, you remind me of Brock, or you sound like Brock. Like, what? Like, no. Like, and here's the problem with that. And you've, you've probably had this happen, but I have put together many a presentation, whether I'm talking about for the city, doing stuff for schools, doing stuff for charity organizations, for my businesses, whatever. And some of those take a lot of time, and you're putting together a slideshow, and you got handouts and all this stuff. And then you get done, and inevitably, there's always some person, and sadly, usually an older white person, comes up and is like, I just wanted to tell you, you speak so well. <laughs> right? And I'm just like, did you ignore the other 45 minutes worth of information I just gave you? And that's the and best thing they, you could say? So, like, they just and not really that, feel like it was a compliment. On some of these things, I'm literally like telling you, like, hey, here's how we can fund this whole project here's how i'm gonna make a bunch of money here's how i'm gonna bring a bunch of people into the city and like the best you can say to me is you speak so well i'm uh, like I, I just solved the damn problem none of y'all could figure out right and and the fact that i speak well is the is the thing you're bringing to the table like that's like saying i sort of expected you to sound like samuel l jackson but oh yeah you, you oh, actually Lord. speak all right <laughs> see, yeah. see, you you were nice when you said Samuel L. Jackson. That's uh, true. I, I was thinking there when you sound like you know step and fetch it. If you don't know that reference, well, you might, yeah, you, yeah, you might have to look that reference up, y'all. But I guess if I go with the more contemporary, well, I was thinking more like Samuel Jackson, like Django or something. Oh, okay, you know, like, <laughs> or you know, or or, or a character that's probably played by Kevin Hart or Mike Epps. Exactly, like, exactly. You know, like you know. I mean, that that's like one of the – and that happens a lot. I, I probably had that happen, man, north of 30 times in my life. 
by the way, I have worked with many directors, you know, who have had to tell me to blacken it up. And I never, you know, just, I mean, there's a whole bit that Robert Townsend does about the black actor school where white actors are teaching. No, you have to grab your penis like this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's just like, what do you, and the problem is, and, and the reason I bring that up is because this compliment is rooted in a lot of the same thing. It's yeah. basically saying you either have not seen, sadly, enough quality black orators. So that's the only comparison you have. Or you've just ignored others that don't command the room a certain way. And again, that's your comparison. Which is also sad. So it's yeah. very tough to be like, you know, because, and again, you don't want to be like a jerk and be like, I remind you of Obama. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you, your first impulse is to accept any compliments comparing you to Obama. Yeah, but like, <laughs> but it's hard because you're like, you know, in your head, like, I'm going, they like, just I don't can't think that's the like only you. intelligent black person they can think of. It's basically what they're telling you. Exactly. And then when I've asked, and I even ask, when people said, like, well, you remind me of Obama, I'm like, oh, really? Like, in what way? <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> well, like, if they'd have been like, well, you know, for, you know, this person that's inspiring and this person does this kind of work or blah, blah, blah. Okay, cool. Then I'm like, okay, I get you it. You gave me great ideas about healthcare. Where are you yeah, going? something. So whatever, right? Whatever it is. But literally, each one of them has come back and been like, well, you know, you're just the way you speak and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah. That's not, that's not it, dude. That is we, not we've it. We've been there. Like, we, we have both been there. That's why, just, after, you know, we said it's going to be long, but this was, you know, we wanted to talk about this because I know many other black people have had the same experience. With They've shared it with us. Another one, I, mean, I once had a coworker who I'm talking about was just drop dead gorgeous. You know somebody is pretty when other women are talking, you know, both behind her back and in front of her about how pretty she is. Oh, she damn, you worked with Naomi day. Campbell? <laughs> I'm just she, playing. She, she was really pretty. And she said one day somebody told her, you know, you are so pretty. You're thinking the caliber's going to end there. Dot, dot, dot. I know where this Four is going. black girl. Yep, I knew exactly where you know, that was right? going. <laughs> God, that's that's a rough one too, man. That is a rough one. Because again, I, if you had just stopped uh, so pretty, this is a great compliment. Yeah, that that is the double down too. That's the double down. When people don't even know they're being racist. Right. Like that, that's because you because you get that, too, where it's like you speak so well. And like even that's already bad. And it's like you're yeah. a black guy. Like, yeah. whoa, oh, <laughs> like, that is that's happened a couple of times. That one's not as common, but I've had that happen a couple of times. almost complimented me. Yep. Like you gave me a compliment I could almost accept. And then you went and doubled down on the racism. Like, I can't I can't do it now. Or, you know, I'll also get. You write so well, and it's said in the way where the, the, yep. you know, I can yep. just hear the dot, 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 like they're shocked that, first of all, you tell me what to ask. So who, so who educated you? I might need to track them down and tell them exactly. it's not legal to be teaching the black people how to read right. It's just like, dude, really? Like, that's it? Like, you missed the whole message that I was presenting, yeah. and that's what you're bringing to the table. Now, again, if you were to say, like, man, I wish I knew somebody who spoke like you to inspire people or to motivate people or whatever. Like, okay, cool. That makes sense. But when you're literally just like, 
you don't have any comment for any of the rest of the work, the rest of the presentation, and you're just or, like, yeah, go ahead. The, the other one I've heard, somebody told me, you know, Brian, you're a hardworking black man. Mm. <laughs> just, yeah. I don't know how I'd feel if somebody gave me that one. I just bit down on my tongue because I'm just, all I can think of in my head is as opposed to. <laughs> just, yeah, that's I just want man. you to, to just finish this train of thought that you've started. Man, that and, is a and tough see if one. you can follow it to, again. When somebody tells you you're hardworking, you want to accept the compliment. Yeah, I feel like. But then they threw in there a hardworking black man. I feel like, man, that one for me, I think, would, uh, how well do I know you and what's the inflection? Yeah. That's a hard one. And again, like, they didn't know. They were yeah, here. that's what, like if I know oh. you, or even if you just came up and went like, dude, you are one hardworking black man or whatever. And like, okay, that's different than they're like, dude, you know, you are a hardworking black man. And I'd be like, uh, those those don't come off the same. It's, like, <laughs> like, it's almost like the boondocks, you know? You just, yeah. <laughs> By the way, let me say this. like, you, Since you mentioned the boondocks, like for real, boondocks is low-key one of the best shows for social education in right. probably the last 10 years. Like it really is like that. They covered so many issues, some, you know, very serious, some kind of like surface social issues, yep. but they covered the whole gambit over like family issues, racism, you know, government taxes, whatever. And they did it in a way that was at least understandable and relatable, regardless of whether you were black or not. But it's unfortunate that I think some people stayed away from it because it was black characters portraying the black culture yeah. going through these issues. But if you go back and watch the show for what it is, there's exactly. a lot. Even the stuff with like the rapper beef and everything else, like they're Yo. even using that to teach lessons through the story. You know, Uncle Ruckus going to, to campaign rallies or whatever. Yeah. Like, I was going to say, the way, just, you know, one of my favorites is the episode where Grandpa Freeman realizes that while Uncle Ruckus is a terrible human being, he is his only real friend. Yep. That's and the team proceeds to help him do some of the most racist stuff imaginable because that's his only friend that he's trying to help, and he's and he's having issues with it. Yeah, up to I mean, where he is taking pictures of Barack Obama out of his house. So all oh, the rookies can pretend to be a racist white man. But that show covered. They talk, you know, they covered things about like corporal punishment, right? You know social issues with like kids smoking and drinking and like just all kinds of things. It, it really was a really, and I, I got kind of excited when apparently they've been in discussions to try to bring that back for a couple of seasons. Yep. So I'd love to see that show back. I, I think it's a show, especially now with the social climate and everything else. I think people would appreciate even more than they did the first time. The thing that worries me is, you know, John Witherspoon is gone and he is basically True. like the soul of or was the soul of that show in so many ways. I just I hope, you know, it's one thing when a character is like, let's say Bugs Bunny, where, yeah, Bugs Bunny's been around for 9000 years. There have been 12 people to voice that character at this point. But when there's been when a, when a, a property is still basically kind of new. And there's really only been one actor to play that character. That's a hard transition, even for a cartoon. Yeah, that is true. That is true. 
I mean, I, but you know, they even, oh, man, there's so much stuff they touched on, even about yeah. like, you know, homophobia being a thing that right. would be hidden in like the black communities. Cause they did that with, I think with like Thugnificent and the, yep. the other mm-hmm. dude or whatever. Like, we got that thug in love. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, like, I mean, that show was so good. And it really covered so many of the type yep. of issues we talk about on the show. Like, really, man, if y'all can find episodes online, I don't know, Hulu, Netflix, YouTube, whatever. Like, go check it out, man. It, it is, the show is really worth it. And there's some good moments. Like, as much as they talk about serious topics, they do a lot of it in very humorous ways. Yeah. So you're not just being, like, shoved social issues constantly. Like, there is an actual story, and the characters are funny and relatable. But, yeah, this whole thing, just, man, the compliment. Like, it's not, it's not the compliment you think it is. No, no. And it's sad. And like I said, I think what saddens me more is, I think people are making that comparison to Barack Obama because those are the only examples they have. Yeah. Or the only ones they paid attention to. Even even Joe Biden, when he was first asked about Barack Obama, declared him the first mainstream black candidate that's clean and well-spoken. Yep, he said those words, for real. Because there, there are many reasons Joe Biden has never been president before now, and that was one of them. And I and I even thought I'm like, man, how do all the other black folks on Capitol Hill feel when you say that? You know what I mean? It's it's fine. He just, I think they've kind (laughs) of taken him as you know that that uncle or grandpa that just is gonna say something stupid, but you're gonna need him for something. (laughs) And I told people before, like people were trying to point out like crazy stuff that he has said before to black folks and some of the groups I'm in, and I'm like. Like, we no, are, we know. We just think yeah. your dude's way worse. The only like, way Biden, <laughs> the only way a Biden presidency could have ever existed was a Trump presidency had to go first. Oh, I, I've literally said, like, if the Republicans had just gotten away from Trump and put somebody else up, they'd have lost with, with yeah. Biden up top. Like, for real. Like, you could have had, hell, you could have had Rubio up there. <laughs> right. And I, hell, there's a bunch of black people don't agree with Rubio, but hell, we'd have been like, ooh, I, he I don't know if it's Rubio, because I feel like while while the Republicans want to say they're being more diverse, there were multiple candidates, including an actual brain surgeon on stage. True. And they still picked the most racist white guy up there. That is true. That You are damn right on that. Was, that was the time where you got Carly Fiorina up there. If if you want a, a female candidate, you had Marco Rubio again. I just ben feel Carson, like could have been an actual brain surgeon. I think they lost a lot of people that ended up voting for Biden that didn't even like him. They just liked him more than Trump. Yeah, that's literally all it was that last election. It wasn't like even people that didn't care for his policies just wanted to not be actively embarrassed by yep. the Oval Office. That's anymore. literally all it was. I talked to so many people that they were like. I'm not even a Democrat, but I, I can't vote for Trump again. Right. And I was like, I feel you, dog. Like, I don't even like our dude, but like, I can't vote for your dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that's this is just the way it's got to be. Like, this I've never had this so they many put Republican friends tell me, well, you know, Trump's not my guy, but okay. Mm-mm. <laughs> Mm-mm. At least up here, there were a lot of people that went like, yeah, we might have messed up. Like they were like, look, I'm no, I'm no Democrat, but and I'm like, I feel you. Come on, we'll take your vote, man. When have you ever seen a political action campaign started against a sitting president? 
that's never in modern history. I, I'm not talking about a, a, like a fringe, the Lincoln Project. Something that this is a whole group of well-funded Republicans who don't want the Senate Republican president to win. You've never seen that. No. And here, you didn't and here's see that under Bush, and I think and here's Bush the sad part. Point. Like yeah. thinking about this, and this is the point we come back to a lot with so many things. But think about the fact that you had somebody like Trump who is on record as being racist to tenants in his buildings. Yep. On record as taking money from small businesses that have tried to help him build other businesses. On record being sued for sexual harassment multiple times. And had no less than six bankruptcies, failed businesses, one of which was a casino. And, and how you bankrupt multiple casinos is beyond. Dude could not speak well to save his life. Rumor has it can't even read legal documents. Still was able to become president. And then had a whole mixtape. In case you in case you thought the sexual assault charges were a he said he said she said. Then the the the, the uh, Access Hollywood tape drops with him admitting that he just walks up to women and grabs them. Not just that, but I said and in comparison, somebody like Barack Obama was already, you know, big in local politics in Chicago, went to law school, obviously nice orator and everything, presented himself well, no type of legal history to speak of. And the dude had to do nothing but constantly prove himself for eight years. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's that's where we are still in the US. Yeah. Like, that's the hard part. Even when we're doing this show, when I'm doing my YouTube stuff or whatever, we talk about it all the time. Like, there are things we know we can't do and can't say and can't present ourselves a certain way and get away with the same things other people do. The Access Hollywood tape would have ended any any female oh, candidate's career. For sure. Any black candidate's career. For sure. <laughs> I mean, I watch stuff. Anybody other than a white dude, it's career ending. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. I watch people in a bunch of different games, streaming and on YouTube or whatever, and there have been multiple times that I'm like, no way I could do that. Right. No way I could say that. I put that graphic on my screen, and I'm just fighting people for two days. You know what I mean? Like, just so many things. I'm like, ah, I wish I could talk to this person and explain to them, like, I'm like, oh, just do this. Or you could just, I can't do that. Like, I can't put that on my channel. I can't talk about that thing. I can't, like, there are things... And I have to explain to people, and some of them get it. When I mention it, they're like, yeah. ah, shit, you're right. You know, but like, there's a lot where I'm just like, man, y'all don't understand how good it is, you know, to not have to worry about those things. But like, there's so many. The fact that, like I said before, like sometimes we catch hell just for being on screen. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, you know, you can just exist and have people come taking shots at you on a stream for no reason. Yeah. Hell, there's still people right now complaining because, you know, when we talked about uh, Twitch putting up those hashtags and stuff yeah, and the different categories, there are people actively just searching people out in certain categories to go harass them. Mm -hmm. Just because. Like, no good reason. The people are in good standing in the community, haven't done crap to anybody, are some of the least offensive streams I've ever seen or even possible. Nothing but good vibes. Still got people coming in to mess with them just because they are who they are. And then you're telling these people, like, oh, no, it's easy. Just do this thing or just put this in or just do that. Like, no, 
It doesn't work like that. I wish it did, but it sure doesn't. If there was if there was any anti-racism armor, we'd equip it. Yep. Hundred percent anti-sexism armor. <laughs> you know, women would equip it. Yep. Guaranteed. But yeah, y'all, if you're ever thinking about it complimenting the black person on the way they speak, like attach a little some substance to it. Or, you know, mention something that they said that resonated with you. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. one of the best ways to compliment any Like something. Because that is one of the most disappointing things you could probably tell somebody. And it's weird because I get it. I know if you don't know, you don't know. And it sounds like, really? You're sad that I'm telling you, like, you speak well, whatever. It's like, no, it's that you're ignoring everything else. And you're basically saying you expected me to sound like a moron. Yeah. Like that you're magically surprised I'm educated and can use a vocabulary above an eighth grade level. Like that's that's not a thing. Like I and what the weird thing is, I don't think I've ever said that to anybody of another culture. No. Like I don't think I've ever gone up to one of my Asian friends after a thing or a person who had presented a thing and been like, you know, you speak so well. Like, and I had one time, and this this is Oh, well, I'm trying to remember what the what the joke was she tried to say. Oh, OK. It was a Asian lady. She was on one of these little tour buses we were in or uh, commuter buses when we were in Vegas. And she's telling this story about her husband. And she when she tells the story, she has a thick accent. Right. So when she tells the story, she says that he's retarded and tells the story. And people are kind of like <laughs> giggling at her or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel so bad for her right now. And. She kind of goes like, no, 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 he's not retired. He's retired. He's he's ex, ex-military. And I'm yeah, like, oh, no, retired. <laughs> right? And when we got done, I was like, you know, you handle this very well, like with your accent and everything, like, and everybody joking, like, you, you were really good for this type of job. Yeah. And she was really thankful for the compliment. I said, and that's how you have to do that, right? It's not just yeah. like, ah, oh, don't worry about these people. You speak so well. Don't worry about it, right? Like, it's like, no, like cool it's not that she just spoke well like yeah she has a thicker accent but like you handled the situation well that like you understood what was happening you didn't let it interrupt you you still got your point across you rolled with the punches like that's how you can compliment somebody like it's not that hard it's not that hard all right brian we are way over time i'm sure our (laughs) listeners are are really going to be upset at me because i'm not going to edit this out i'm going to give them the full thing so just tell people where they can find you on social media. I am DL Caesar on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And our family channel on YouTube is Alex Ever After. Uh, I am Power Dragon, just about everywhere. P O W R D R A G N. And again, giving you an apology for a long episode. But uh, if you want to find me during the day, I generally am streaming over on Facebook Gaming, or you can find me sometimes over at Twitch, or you can come just follow me playing Magic or TFT, or check out my YouTube channel. And. For a little longer, I got to still sign off with and let you know, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to wear your mask, wash your hands, stay away from other humans, all that good stuff while people are still trying to get vaccinated so we can finally get back to gaming the way we want. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps 
as we're trying to increase our user base.